You're listening to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to. Like the show? Become a patron at patreon.com forward slash nygbc. You should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book that you can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Hello, and welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because... Utterly unsuccessful in keeping up with the Kardashians. My name is Kevin, and I'm joined as always by my co host Benedict, who would like you all to know that this is your fault for listening. <laughs> and also this week, our special guest, Morgan Stringer Esquire, who proves there's no such thing as being too cool for law school. <laughs> Both of you, how do you like your avocados? Ooh. Good question. Um. As guacamole, I think. That's my that's my Boring idea of answer. Boring. I thought you'd right. go for the avocado toast. I was going to, and then I was like, he's. everyone thinks I'm bougie already. And I don't, <laughs> I, I don't want to add well, fuel to the Well, it's because you are, to be fair. So, yeah, I know, but I don't need to add to that reputation. So there you go. That's mine, guacamole. All right, guacamole, given it the, the southern, uh, southeastern, southwestern flair. What am I thinking? I'm from California. I should know this. Morgan, how do you like your avocados? You know, I am going to give a stereotypical uh, young millennial Gen Z cusp uh, answer of the avocado toast. I had some (laughs) unironically over the weekend and I was like, oh, this is so good. Why don't I do this more? And then I realized it's because I'm trying not to become a living stereotype, but I feel like I am a living stereotype of so many things already. Yes. I might as well lean in, but and also, I do enjoy a good it. guacamole. Although if, there is something about like a really good guacamole that just stands apart from like, you know, your basic guacamole. So, well, I mean, I'm from California. All right. Oh, so really? I've had good avocados, <laughs> which none of you East coasters have ever tasted. A good avocado has never passed your lips. You don't understand <laughs> what it truly is. And to be honest, when you have a good avocado, you can just eat it straight out of the avocado. You don't like even an need apple. to put it on anything. <laughs> yeah, just bite into that pit. That's skin, that skin and all. Skin and all. I like to imagine Benedict eating everything like an apple. Just grabbing a lobster, <laughs> eating it like an apple, like in venom. Just That's... like an onion. Just a whole onion. Just like, you know, here we go. Oh, God. oh, it's also anyway. a BLT. I say yes, also it BLT. is. It is also BLT superb. is a good. It's a good match for it. So, anyways, this is the show where we dig down deep, deep, deep into the sludge pit of right wing knowledge, trying to find the one corn kernel uh, carrying some truth down at the bottom. Nope. I don't know where the, that, that one didn't go anywhere. No, it that, didn't. It's okay. Sometimes, sometimes I win you, with these. You try things. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. And it's good that people see the process. This isn't easy. Podcasting is really hard, guys. <laughs> Especially when that part I just make up off the top yeah. of my head. But we're trying to find the truth of the right wing thought. And this week, this was uh, it. As, we found it. <laughs> we found it. We did it. 
<laughs> this week, we are not doing our usual book review as we often do. This week, of course, we are doing what we've been hyping for weeks now. We watched Dinesh D'Souza's most recent documentary, in heavy air quotes, Trump Card, uh, which was a whirlwind tour through the batshit conspiracy world Dinesh has found himself in now that I think almost everyone has given up on him being a serious human being. Yeah. Did you see him dunking on a history teacher the other day? Like a middle school history teacher? I was like, oh, right. you teach middle school? What do you have to add to the conversation? Just someone who commented sure, on his man. Twitter spat with Kevin Cruz. His <laughs> ongoing perpetual Twitter fight where Kevin Cruz is just beating him into a bloody pulp. Someone who commented on it and Dinesh went after for being a teacher. A middle school yeah. teacher. He was like, oh, you you teach children? Fuck yeah. me. And I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> like, what is happening? Like, he's going after a middle school teacher during a pandemic good luck <laughs> yeah. i'm not even sure what his job is real man go hardcore don't go at all that's his motto so anyways before we get started actually talking about what we watched this week i wanted to give a little bit of background to the movie itself so this movie came out in 2020 it was originally scheduled to be released on august 7th 2020 but obviously we had that whole pandemic thing going on last mm. year and it was delayed till October 9th. So it came out on October 9th. And because it came out on October, there's a little bit more uh, they were able to put in, uh, particularly with regards to COVID. Of course, it was still before the election. So none of that sort of stuff is included in yeah, it. Yeah, it's a very different watch knowing Trump lost, right? Like, it's oh, like, knowing Trump how had things won, I would have yeah. wept the entire time. <laughs> Just soft weeping. Like I'm watching, I, like I'm a woman in a lifetime movie. Morgan, I wouldn't have stopped yet. <laughs> Honestly, like uh, since the election, I wouldn't have stopped weeping. So it would have just been a continuation of that. Well, that's what his last movie was like. Or his last movie that we watched, uh, which I'm blanking on the name of off the top of my head, um, was basically an hour and a half, hour and 45 minute long, uh, you know, stomp the libs fest. It was just, can we, just ha-ha Can we just remind tards. ourselves that the, uh, the artwork for that movie was half of Lincoln's face <laughs> and half of Trump's face blended together? Yes. <laughs> Which is a bonkers design choice, truly. <laughs> much, much better than his choice for the uh, poster image for this movie, which I don't know if you all saw. It, yes. Is just Dinesh D'Souza holding a fake playing card with a Trump uh, logo on it, like a, yes. a figure and, of Trump's head. And how he's posed is you can tell, like, he's posed as if he is on the cover of Vanity Fair, or what he <laughs> thinks he would be posed as if he were to ever be on the cover of Vanity Fair. You can tell he feels like he looks hot. But honestly, with a much better color palette than they gave the vice president. I mean, that was unfortunate. <laughs> that, that Green and pink doesn't go together exactly. It clashes a bit. Yeah, his yeah. suit was at least, like, at least everything that needed to be ironed was, you know, teamed. <laughs> and that, and yeah, this movie poster. Morgan, like, he, he's, a, he's a Reagan conservative. You know, at least he's got his suit ironed. Like, appearances well, matter. Morgan. I do have some commentary on the suits he was wearing. <laughs> So yeah, all oh, the suits, the suits or the polo shirts? Which ones? Ooh, polo shirts, yeah, the polo well, shirts were bad. Yeah, the polo shirts were very bad. Um, not also very bad at picking color palettes that um, suit him. But um, very much like your dad is going to golf and he doesn't have an actual golf shirt. So this is the best <laughs> I can do. But then when he's wearing suits, you can tell he's like, oh, look at me. I'm a badass in a suit. But he looks like a sixth grader. 
um, went into his dad's closet and decided to try on his business suit because none of his suits fit. It's like the same problem as okay. Trump, where like none of his clothes fit. And it's it's like, a very, here's my theory. Here's on? my theory on this. It's a very 90s America thing, though. Like everyone used yes. to wear suits that didn't. And I think he just hasn't moved on from the 90s. That's my theory. Like Reagan lost and he hasn't done anything <laughs> since then. Or Reagan. As yet. someone who grew up in America in the 90s, I can just tell you no one looked good in America <laughs> in the 90s. 90s. Yeah, We're all wearing like Slipknot t-shirts. <laughs> By like the bulls. Like, yeah, I don't know if that's the look he's going for, but it's yeah. bonkers. Yeah, so my theory, actually, I have an entire theory about how Dinesh looks in this movie. And it is, so Benedict, I'm sure you recall the last movie, Dinesh is always a figure in his movies. He's yeah, always yeah. one of the characters walking around on the streets Him, and interviewing Lincoln, people. Uh, Trump, yeah. like, always the same character. It's like a, the, the extended universe of the Dinesh movies. Yeah, and I, I went back because I, I own his other movie uh, because I... <laughs> That's my life now. Uh, And I just, I looked through a few minutes of it to get an idea of what he looked then versus what he looks like now. Dinesh has put on a good 15 or 20 pounds since the last movie. Oh, okay. So he's wearing big suits deliberately so you don't notice. (laughs) I think either A, he's putting on a larger suit to hide it and he's a little up, you know, he's got that little bit of, I ate too much over the holidays. I put on some weight. I'm trying to hide a little bit. Or he is still trying to wear his old clothes from when he was 15 or 20 pounds slimmer. And it just has the weird look of someone wearing clothes that don't fit them. That is my theory on what's going on. Gotcha. They wouldn't fit because they look too big. They're not too small. So what if he's giving himself room to grow? What if he's like, it's all downhill (laughs) from here and he's pre-bought the suits and he's like, okay, I got to fill these suits out, but I'm not there yet, but I'm not spending more money on suits. And he's he's merging with Steve Bannon. Yes, and he's like, I'm not leaning into pinstripes or wearing all black because then that'll draw more attention to the fact that I'm trying to go for a more slimming silhouette. No, Dinesh's next big outfit is going to be the suit all covered in question marks. That's going to be the next one. So riddle me this <laughs> so in he was that to... close to saying riddle me this in this damn movie <laughs> so in addition to right came out in, in the end of 2020 he didn't know what was going to happen in the election it's great to watch now that we know uh, i also found interesting some of the suggestions on amazon uh for what people who watched this item also watched so a few of the selections from there of course death of a nation which is his previous film That's we watched it. that, that yeah you can go back in our catalog and find that it's one of the earlier episodes um also trump 2024 the world after trump which is a movie assuming made before the election assuming he would win the election and that they'd have to figure out what to do in 2024 oh, okay it's not delightful. like he's gonna run again it was like he's, no. Oh, okay, okay. no it was made before the election which was delightful uh also the trump prophecy uh <laughs> about mark taylor uh, which uh, I think they did over on God Awful Movies, uh, is another delightfully terrible movie. And also, uh, I think one of my, my favorites is called Uncivil War, Battle for America, uh, which uh, the only reason I love it so much is that it is absolutely, they took the Civil War, Marvel Civil War, and turned that into their movie poster, but with Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump. And it's fantastically bad. It's everything you would ever want to come out of a bad movie poster. So go ahead and check that out. I won't. No, I had the opposite experience. So when I Googled it, it was like, did you mean to watch 
RGB or the documentary Thirteenth <laughs> about prison labor in Netflix. It was, you know, honestly kind of refreshing. I was like, oh, and then I remember I told you about this on Twitter. And I think your response was, but Google was trying to save you from watching this movie, which I do appreciate. I want Google to do more of that. Well, all I know is that cancel culture is not real if this movie is still available on the Internet. So with all that out of the way, why don't we get started digging, digging into this mud pile that we ended up watching to begin with? The opening scene. And the opening scene shows us a man strapped to a table <laughs> in a room full of props I could have made myself back when I was a mechanic. I mean, they've got like two C-clamps next to his head with like some wadded up gauze and wire shoved into him. This, uh, this supposed- was actually live images of Kevin making me watch this movie. Was, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's where this scene what I comes from. <laughs> No, but I said like a- so when it opened, I couldn't tell what was happening. And I just see the man like... which I have in my notes that he is definitely like Bob Mueller in the Lifetime original (laughs) movie. Um, I think that's what they were going for. They're going for a Bob Mueller type. And um, so this this knockoff Bob Mueller character, he reaches down and you can see him moving his hand. You can tell he's moving his hand. And I was just like horrified because at first I thought, is this guy jerking off right now? Like, what am I watching? <laughs> and then as they're screwing the guy on the table's head in and then also electrocuting him, this torture mm-hmm. is very confusing. He says, I'm an admirer of capitalism, a Christian, and a sexual pervert. And then we never revisit that sexual pervert part, ever. You know how they come in threes. Yes, <laughs> so... So what's funny to me is this is obviously supposed to be a scene from 1984. This is after Winston Smith has been captured. Yeah, he and he's calls being him Winston, and... which is the early clue. Otherwise, it's not clear at all. As right, Morgan it's said not. And I right when I was watching, my original note was Winston Smith cosplay with Liam Neeson's untalented nephew. Yeah, uh, so, I only note, knew because quickly, I had Googled. I, I'm pretty sure it's the same interrogation room that they filmed the Sophie Scholl stuff in from last the It last might movie. be. It might be. It very much might be. But this scene also, it's so quick and it's such a nothing that it's, it's like, I don't know, maybe 30, 45 seconds. And then, boom, we transition completely out of it. it, it so it's just introducing that concept, which will come back at the end of the movie. Yeah, because the world we live in is 1984, obviously. That's the, Obviously, that's but I do want to mention that being someone who actually read 1984, has not read it in a while, I don't remember him being Christian being a big part of it. No. no I don't no. remember that being a part of it at all. That, it was all not, about how he was having quote. sex with the lady. It's, it's not a quote. That's just, I think that's what Dinesh thinks that... Right, but you don't get to do 1984 and change the words. Just like yeah, that's what he's going... He's yeah, going to do he... his own trial and change the words. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Which I found delightful. It was delightful. So we cut from that scene where Winston Smith is being tortured to present day New York City covered in Soviet architecture and sculptures and imagery badly CGI'd in. Because so I should have mentioned up front... Compared to the last movie we did, which was produced by Gerard Mullen, who produced Schindler's List, this movie is produced entirely by Dinesh and Debbie D'Souza. Good stuff. I, reading the credits over the beginning of this movie, it's Dinesh D'Souza, present, D'Souza Media Presents, executive producers Dinesh and Debbie D'Souza, produced by Dinesh and Debbie D'Souza, lot, lot of written D'Souza and directed hands. by Dinesh and Debbie, and there's like one other guy involved, I don't remember his name because fuck him, but everything is Dinesh and Debbie D'Souza. I think he did this whole thing out of his own pocket. 
Probably. Yeah, it's like when you do the group project all by yourself. Kind of <laughs> like, thing. So don't and, yeah, it pretty much has that vibe. But yeah, no, the Statue of Liberty is now Karl Marx. And then yeah. they cut yeah. to this very bad CGI'd communist flag. And I'm just like, did you not have the money for a real flag? They're not that expensive. <laughs> well, that that was on that was on Wall Street, so I don't know if like I, I don't know if yes. anyone knows what. Yeah, Wall yeah, so like, I guess that, yeah, he was like, well, I can't do a real flag. No, but you, you can't just put the communist flag up on Wall Street. They wouldn't like that. It's so, Dinesh. They would have let him do it for five minutes if he dashed nicely. Maybe. Yeah. They also had a Lenin statue, which was fun. And my, I think my favorite bit was the, the new Mount Rushmore, which I absolutely <laughs> think we should do, which was Marx, Lenin, Guevara, and Stalin all on Mount Rushmore replacing the presidents. It was absolutely incredible. Yeah, I think my favorite was actually the Times Square scene, because Benedict won't let me go to Times Square, so I don't know if that's what it really looks like or not, but it's covered in just, you know, red flags and yeah. AOC's face right in the middle of it, right Bernie, in the middle of Times Square. And Bernie, and Stalin, the three amigos. <laughs> I did love that. I also, because I first, I kept pausing when I was watching the movie to take my notes, I happened to pause at one point when I was right there on the Times Square scene and notice they didn't even take the time to edit out that obvious U-Haul van that was parked over on the side. Why would they? they yeah. Th they got one good take where Dinesh didn't get yelled at by passers-by. So that's, you got to keep That must be such back. a struggle for him because everyone in that city fucking hates him. Nobody likes Dinesh. Well, they either stuff. don't know who he is or they hate him. That's the, everyone who knows who he is hates him. Absolutely. So we get all that Soviet imagery, and then we obviously, like we said, Dinesh D'Souza just walking through Times Square. Uh, and I think it might actually be leftover B-roll from the last movie because they got to <laughs> save some bucks here and there. <laughs> But we cut to Dinesh D'Souza in his office and one of the greatest scenes in any movie oh, I've ever watched. Pheno absolutely phenomenal. Dinesh should nominate himself for an Oscar. Okay. <laughs> He's a terrible actor. Yeah, and there's about. a shot of a bookshelf and they do a close-up of the bookshelf and it's all the books that are written by him. It's all and his I was own just books. Like, oh my God, this guy's a sociopath. Who does that? <laughs> To I was be like, fair, oh, are they, the, all the books he's read on socialism? And no, it wasn't even that. It was just all his own books. Yeah. To be fair, if I was someone who had written 20 or so books, I would have one shelf with just my own books on it. It wouldn't be prominently Kevin, displayed. Kevin, you didn't have any other shelves. That was all there was. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's, really That's true. So this is the scene where Dinesh is reenacting his phone call from Donald Trump telling him he was going to get the pardon. Oh, God. And it is glorious so because bad. the actor doing the Trump impersonation, because it's not Trump's actual voice, it's a, a voice actor doing the impersonation, and we'll get this guy repeatedly throughout the movie. Um, his name is John D. Domenico, and he's actually, I guess, one of the preeminent Trump impersonator yeah, voice actors out Trump there. Yeah, he's a impersonator, yeah. Right, he it's, does it for a living. very good. I gotta but say, yeah. It, yeah, the, the impersonation is good, but I think nobody has ever asked him to do it straight, Though, he, so he thought he was reading it as satire, <laughs> which is what it sounds like to me. Yes, because it's like those charges were complete <laughs> bullshit, and he never says anything like profound, or which this might no. say, you know, Dinesh's writing skills to where he can't even write in like where Trump has anything profound to say. 
other than like talking like a like you know we're used to him being like those charges were bullshit and i i actually think that's the most profound bit of the movie where he absolutely captures exactly how trump probably sounded on that call like to be fair i think that's exactly what trump said to him and it's not flattering and i'm like again this is your movie you can make it you can write him to where he sounds like a person but you know like no you can't even do that because i guess it'd be so over the top like and again like the only clips they can show of trump talking other than when they are celebrating his mean spiritedness and just awfulness is like you know and we'll talk about this towards the end but where it's very obvious that trump is like fucked up on tranks (laughs) <laughs> and reading off a teleprompter and the most low energy voice but like that's all they can use because like if they tried to make one of his speeches you know about the water pressure's low you know it'd be like what <laughs> if you lose more than a five second clip of trump and you're trying to make him look good you're fucked yeah, because it's exactly. just he's gonna veer off into something crazy but yeah i know we'll get to what you're talking about and i have a theory about that as well when we get to it I was just going to say, like, 90s Trump looked sane in comparison. Like, and I know that, like, people have made that point before, but, like, he could string a sentence together back in the day, and that is not something he can do anymore. Oh, quickly, quickly, I just, I, I just want to point out that Dinesh wrote his own response as, Oh, Mr. President, I don't know what to say. That literally, like, he had years to think about this, and that was the, the best of his acting ability and writing ability was, Oh, wow. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I love how he called Pradesh's cell phone as if that's how the president gets into contact with you. Like I mean, he just again, rings you that up. That might be the most Trump thing. That like that might actually have happened. <laughs> <laughs> so from that, we cut to why Dinesh is getting pardoned, why he needs a pardon, because Dinesh cannot write a book or do a movie without mentioning the fact that he is a convicted felon who absolutely did what he is accused of having done. Uh, So he cuts to a scene which is supposed to be his trial, and for about five seconds I went, oh, there's footage of the trial when Dinesh was sentenced? That's cool. I should go look that up on YouTube. Then spent five minutes looking for it on YouTube before realizing that's not the actual trial. Those are all actors. He paid people to act out his trial again so he can feel like the big man. That's <laughs> wild. I didn't know that. I just assumed it was the trial. Yeah, no, and, and the he... judge... <laughs> Yes, so the judge is trying to, um, you know, obviously make this sound as scary as possible. Mm -hmm. And he says, you shall serve time in a community, in, you know, a community center, confinement center. And you're going to do community service once a week and go to therapy once a week. But they do it in like the scary judge voice. As if like, that's the worst sentence that has ever been handed to a human And not not only that, it then cuts to Dinesh imagining what prison is going to be be like and it's two <laughs> tattooed dudes, oh i thought like, that was his actual experience <laughs> no. yeah it cuts to two which i thought this was kind of racist too like they're all like a bunch of like black guys like fighting each other and i think somebody pulls a knife and he's yeah. just like waking up as if he is a suburban mom that's been woken up by a rowdy sleepover like hey knock it down you know like um yeah he's doing his wild <laughs> 
It's, it's he's also doing funny his best Shawshank of being scared at what's happening around yeah. him. It's wonderful. But wasn't he basically sentenced to house arrest? Like that's large, like basically what it amounts to, right? It's like he has to sleep overnight at a community place. Like it's not, he wasn't in Yeah, prison. the reality of what happened here is A, none of the words that the judge say say in his, his little play of his trial uh, actually happened. I looked up the trial transcript. I managed to find it for the sentencing hearing. None of those words were said in that order. So he completely just wrote what the judge in this play acting would say, which I have to feel like if the judge knew about it or cared would probably not make them very happy. Um, so he has this completely acted out. And the reality is Dinesh D'Souza, yes, he committed campaign finance fraud. He was giving money to people and having them donate it to a candidate on his behalf, but it was really his money. He was just funneling it through other people. That's illegal. He got caught. He was sentenced. His sentence was, yes, community service, therapy and he was in a halfway house overnight during the day he could go out and do whatever he wanted but for i believe it was maybe six months maybe a year he had to stay in a halfway house overnight so that was the extent he never spent any time in jail or in prison as far as i'm aware just overnight at the halfway house it's that pretty was funny it. to sentence someone to therapy for that like what <laughs> <laughs> he probably go tell that to linwood yeah i mean that seems like a separate thing though like well i mean uh, the judge probably realized dinesh needed it so maybe yeah. it did some good at, well seeing where he's come from then it, did it probably work. didn't accomplish the goal anyway then we get this weird train that's fun of the yeah. Hogwarts express <laughs> that's what well, i thought it was i thought i was like did jk rowling like go so turf she is now going to like make an appearance here you know well we've got a little bit before we get to that i don't want to skip over anything uh, okay, important right, because right, there's right, some right. stuff here that i found i found to be first off we get dinesh speaking at liberty university in front oh, yeah. of jerry falwell uh and the majority of scenes where he's speaking live to an audience in this movie are him at liberty university he is a recurring speaker at Liberty U. So he has plenty of footage to work with from there. But then we got what I called the socialism is scary montage. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. All strange which, things that happen during capitalism. Right? Yes, like that's which the, includes things like uh, a group of DSA obvious college students carrying a banner. Saying uh, we Trevor, care about other people. Like uh -huh. literally chanting those words. <laughs> uh, Tre Trevor Noah was yeah. the next one. Being like and then socialism, it's cool now. <laughs> yeah. Ilhan Omar. And then AOC, which you have to warn me first because she's scary. <laughs> and then just go through Bernie, Jim Carrey. Uh, uh, when Bernie was on Saturday Night Live, it's just like, yeah, these things all literally happened in a capitalist country because he goes through the whole empty uh, store shelf trope that they try and pull <laughs> out. Because, and he's referencing COVID, right? We got a taste of what happens under socialism. And it's like, Dinesh, that literally all happened in a capitalist country. What are you talking about? Yep. Yep. He doesn't he just, get it. Doesn't get it. I'm starting to think Dinesh D'Souza doesn't understand socialism. But you know, maybe. Did you know his wife is from Venezuela, though? So, you know. Yep. He yeah. Did you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. And Roger Stone was evidently arrested oh. by Antifa. They just cut to, like, <laughs> Roger Stone being arrested, which my favorite tidbit of that is, like, the football player Ocho Cinco is actually the one who kind of broke that story because he was on Twitter saying, dude, I was out running and they arrested my neighbor Roger. That's crazy. <laughs> and I was like, wait, so you were going to cookouts with, like, Roger Stone? That's wild to me. But, um, yeah, and then it cuts to Michael Flynn, and they said, you know, um, Obama tried to 
frame his successor in this plot. And I was just like, no, that's your guy. That's Trump who literally tried to frame his successor in a plot. Like, God, no no president has ever tried to frame and entrap his successor. And then it's like, oh, no, hold on. That's wait. This movie says exactly that. Well, the point of that is to set up one of the threads of this movie. And the threads of this movie are pretty hard to keep track of because it is very scattershot. It's not very well organized. Mm. So it's hard to figure out what exactly he's trying to say. But the reason why he put up the Mike Flynn stuff, the Roger Stone stuff, is obviously he's going to go at some deep state conspiracies in this movie. That's part of the aspects of this movie he's trying to get across. There's a deep state conspiracy going on. And to help emphasize that point, after the Michael Flynn and Roger Stone bit, he cuts to Sidney Powell for all of two words, which I don't remember. Oh, yes. Yeah, I don't remember. Nemesis. Yeah, there's a Fox News anchor saying something, and then Sidney Powell is just there on screen and says, absolutely, or 100%, something like that. I didn't write it down, but that's the whole reason she's there. And I got, every time we run into Sidney Powell now, post-2020 election, I absolutely love it, because you know everyone is going, fuck, why did I include her in my shit? Why did I include her? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's And also there is a thing where they do, and this is another thread that they try to pull through a movie, where they try to excuse Trump's behavior and saying that, oh, well, it's better that he acts this way because anybody could act presidential. Yeah, and then they have Trump saying that himself and then pretending to act presidential for like a second and then not being (laughs) able to keep it up for more than that second. (laughs) Yep, that's true. So then... Then we get to the train. The tiny train. It it really is. It's one of those old-timey trains that I always assume, because I grew up in Sacramento, California, and we have an area downtown called Old Sacramento. I think most cities have the old section, right, if it's an old city. It's always and they had, in the old town. They had one of those antique trains that, like, the local historical society kept up, and they would roll it out on Sundays, and you could take it down from one end of the track to the other and ride it along, and it was a fun thing. Uh, but for that, children. I have to assume, is the train they're using for this. It is one of those old historical society steam trains that are going along. And the reason why we have a steam train, because Abraham motherfucking Lincoln is here, That's baby. That's right. And it is. is. I don't check. It is the same actor who played Abraham Lincoln in the last movie. That seems right. So this guy must have a long-term contract with the Natch. Also, he introduces Lincoln, and then he was like, Abraham Lincoln, the founder of the Republican Party. No, that's not right. Not at all. It was Horace Greeley and Henry Jarvis Raymond, but Dinesh just says it with all the confidence of a convicted felon who got a pardon. Look, it's not like there would be a historian out there who would get into an argument with Dinesh over these things and prove it conclusively, and then Dinesh would continue acting That's as though he was correct. That's such an easy thing to check, though. <laughs> like, and a super famous dude. Like, yes, the founder of the Republican Party. No, literally just not at all. That's a common theme in this movie of people just saying things with confidence, <laughs> with zero citation, zero, like, that, like, we'll get to this cast of just horribles, but, um... Just bumblefucks. Yeah. It's a bumblefucks all the way it's, down. It's certainly a cast of characters, yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, and my music note for this scene with Lincoln on the Train is, oh, yes. uh, we'll see you next time here at Wild West Tech on the <laughs> History Channel. 
<laughs> yes, it's America the Beautiful, and you can tell they're trying to do it all very, very dramatic, as if like it is uh, Civil mm. War, but make it Lord of the Rings. I have a lot of a uh, lot of notes on the music here. Was it his wife See, I was skipping again? past the America the Beautiful because the America the Beautiful is going to come back at the end, uh, and it is once again Dinesh D'Souza's wife yep. singing. We had no. to have that in a movie. It's yeah, his yeah. wife. That's his wife. He can't make a movie without giving his wife a song. It's always America the Beautiful too. Last time she was in an empty theater doing it, which was great. Yeah, it wasn't I think it was the same song. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I'm pretty sure. and I have to say to her credit, her rendition is much better in this film than it was in the last yeah. one. She was entirely one octave in the last yep. one. I, um, She's got two now. She has, yeah. I I don't know I don't remember why I wrote this. It was late, but I have guitar music in capital letters, so that must have made an impression on me at some point <laughs> yeah so i think that's what i was talking about is after the little bit there's no reason for the abe lincoln on a train bit right he has a quote where he says today america's also divided one party wants to keep the founding principles the other wants to move in a socialist direction which path is better so obviously we get what he's getting at there the republicans apparently want to keep founding principles and everybody else realizes that that's fucking stupid uh, yeah, but let's after make that, capital. that old, that old principle. Yeah, yeah this that old founding principle. <laughs> but then we'll get to it. But at the end, he kind of implies that you know, fuck the Constitution. Let's go full fash. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like oh. we'll get to it. But he's yeah. like, would you die for the for the motherland or the fatherland or whatever? And, we, and he's like, yeah, I probably would. That's literally how the end of the movie is. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Yeah, this whole constitutional thing, and they go into, they're like, yes, basically, we must become fascist authoritarians in order to save the Constitution. And I'm like, you need to do what now? <laughs> you said what? Sorry. <laughs> uh, so, obviously, he's going to start talking a little bit about socialism here. Mm. And he starts off uh, by with him looking at a statue of Lenin, I assume. It was a very poorly done statue of Lenin, I have to say. It, Had a very weird-looking face. Also, I'm not sure an, where that statue is. Another instantly falsifiable fact as he introduces this is like, America led the Industrial Revolution. No. Again, that was Britain. <laughs> like, uh, just a very easy thing to check. Hey, 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 stop stealing our thunder, Benedict. <laughs> you know, we get to have something. Anyway, we get so to yeah. have something. Soviet Revolution. And he compares it with the American Revolution and says it's a disaster because a bunch of people died, which nobody seems to acknowledge that America, a lot of people have died in America as well. And I think the way Dinesh counts deaths under socialism is literally just anybody that has ever died in a socialist country. <laughs> yes. It's like, well, someone was 95 and died of old age. Darn socialism again. Like, right, because he does claim 100 million states. deaths yeah. caused by socialism. Yeah. That is the number he cites, which yeah. you hear those sort of outrageous numbers all the time from the right, because, yeah, basically they do what they think happens with COVID deaths and count anyone who died during <laughs> socialism as a death caused by socialism. Yeah. So, which, yeah, like, it's, it's basically along those lines. Lots of people have died because of socialism. Like, you don't need to do that. Like, you, can, right. you could be like, hey, millions of people have died because of this political system. But, yeah, anyway, whatever. Carry on. So, of course, he reminds us that he's from India. Uh, I don't know if he's Famous ever... socialist country, India, also. Like, I, not really. And he says that th that's because they had rations. And I'm like, do you not remember World War II? 
<laughs> yeah, India was immediately a country immediately after World War Two, and they were like, "Yeah, we should probably ration some food because nobody has any." Well, it is food. it is true that India was a relatively more socialist country in the nineteen sixties and seventies. Soviet style of socialism. No, it was not a Soviet style socialist country. Anything along those lines, but it was much more isolationist had more socialist-type policies, and eventually it started to open up to the world and things. Uh, but, of course, he wants to claim that it's all because they threw off socialism and embraced capitalism. That's why India is doing so well these days. And, of course, uh, he has to start with a bad joke about what parents tell their kids these days, where it used oh, to be, well, you know, you better eat those food, that food because there are kids starving in Africa or India, India. and now they're telling their kids, well, you know, you better study hard because there's a kid in India who's going to take your job. Great. He should have said it would have been scarier if he was like a guy from India is going to come here and start making fascist propaganda. Then I would have been like, ooh, <laughs> ooh, yeah, there's precedent for that. There's precedent. And and to be fair, that conversation really does happen in uh, the the kitchens of Dinesh D'Souza's fans, but it's more often pronounced they're going to come tecker jabs. <laughs> uh, so yes, also weirdly, sort of implies that China is no longer socialist. No, he doesn't. Uh, but he implies communism is good, kind of. Because he's like, China I'm not now... sure what he meant there. Just because saying... he's talking about China and how China has great growth over the last several decades. And he implies that it's because it's they're moving towards capitalism. No, so, okay, uh, what, what he said was they abandoned the socialist economic system but kept the communist political system as if those things aren't right. intrinsically intertwined. But right. so, They have so, McDonald's so, because that means they're capitalists. Yeah, exactly. So it's like they've made huge strides under the communist one-party system. I will acknowledge that without acknowledging it in any way. It's just, it's funny. It's just, and then also Hong Kong, breakneck speed. Like... And yeah, and then a cut, just a smash cut of a bunch of politicians, or not politicians, but mostly celebrities, saying that capitalism sucks. Like, (laughs) okay, Dinesh, what's your fucking point? And at that point, I wrote in my notes, I just realized it has taken me an hour to watch 15 minutes of this movie. Yeah, it's not great. There's an hour and a half to go. Strap in, folks. It's going to be a long episode. There's a lot to go. So we start off. With oh. this arguing against capitalism section, we <laughs> we start okay. off with the we start off with the hey, uh, socialism is the same as slavery, and you'd be laughed out of Congress if you tried to introduce slavery as a political system. Which hmm, mm, don't know yeah. about that as the argument to open this with. Well, he actually says that there are you know there are no people today who say that you could do slavery right if you just had it all that, set up properly, mm, but there are people who are still that. saying you could do socialism right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I think well, I think Morgan's our resident expert on people who think that slavery could be done right. Yeah, and like also you know there are still things like prison labor, you know things like that, or people who at least excuse it because then if I guarantee you, if I went to Dinesh and I said, okay, well let's take down all the statues of the Confederates because they you know, were for keeping slavery. He would say, no, that's cancel culture. And it's like, Mm. oh, well, I thought you would be laughed out of, you know, Congress. Actually, actually, funnily enough, Dinesh is consistent enough that he is on the side, at least he has written in his books, that he is for taking down statues of Confederates. Oh. Uh, Because he realizes... He realizes how bullshit it is for his main argument, the the thing that underlies so much of what he says, which is the Democrats were the the party of the South. They were all the Confederates. And to not claim that we shouldn't take down those statues. So he at least is consistent on that. He has internal consistency on that one, which is, yeah, it is weird. It's weird to see. Yeah, that is weird because his fans definitely feel a different way about that. Yes. Yes, Oh, yeah. 
Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. But I think it's one of those times when Dinesh thought that'd be a snappy comeback whenever somebody hit him with that. So he thought, I'll just incorporate that into my philosophy. Yeah, he'd be like, own Stringer. And I'm like, fair enough. On that yeah. point, but like, <laughs> none me, of the rest. Like, okay, let's Dinesh, let's go grab a chain and yank down some statues, buddy. Let's get to it. Yeah, what a weird like, no. alliance. Yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. It's, it's weird. So yeah, we so get this into this section. He, sorry, I was going to say, this is where he kind of introduces his thesis and like tells us what he's going to talk about with like the the capitalist manifesto and the identity socialism and the Scandinavian illusion and all that. So. I, I yes. have all these written in big letters again, like all the subtitles. I do as well. With I the do title as well. cards, so we, the title cards are great. The title cards are fantastic. We'll get to them. So he lays out his roadmap, but I don't want to skip over that because I think it helps. it'll help to guide us through the movie. So he mm. says, first, they, they being the left, insist that capitalism may be efficient, but is profoundly unjust. True. And has some clips of Michael Moore, AOC, Bernie. And then all his second All saying point, eminently reasonable things, by the way. Yes. <laughs> well, Michael Moore has always been a problem yeah, child, but you yes. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His second point, he says, second, uh, who says socialism doesn't work, it works right now in Scandinavia, is the argument for the second prong. And the third is that the left uses identity socialism, Not to thing. which he includes a clip of Stacey Abrams listing off how her campaign included all groups of people, including, including white people. explicitly white people, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, she said white people. She yeah. said white people. No, I know. That's what I said. Explicitly, she says white yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. yeah, she says the blue wave is African-American. It is white. It is Pacific Islander. It is Latino. And she lists, you know, able, disabled. She lists, like, all these different groups. And I'm like, and that's bad. Why? <laughs> like, and also she explicitly did, as you have said, like, she mentions white people. She didn't say, fuck the white man, which, you know, if she did, I'd be like, you know, fair enough. But, you know, yeah, <laughs> like, you got, that, that's a point it is Georgia after all. You get to say that down there if you're black. Yeah. Uh, I think that should be the law. You should be able to say fuck whitey all you want if, you, if you're a black person living in Georgia. Yeah, that's but, where I'm coming from. But she didn't say, like, what he is presenting. Like, and again, it is all these clips, but because, like... What I noticed Dinesh and, you know, I mean, similar people of this ilk like to do is they love to do smash cuts of people out of context. He does this mm-hmm, later mm-hmm. on with Biden. Um, but like with these little clips, again, as Benedict said, they're all saying very reasonable things. So I'm just like, wait, are you kind of Trojan horsing your way to being like socialism's good, but I can't say that? Or, you know, that that would be a that would be a fun narrative for Dinesh to take. But it's because it he can't he can't put the scare quotes in a movie like he would in a book. So like there's no way for him to physically manifest that this is scary. Yeah. No, I, no, he doesn't have that ability. But I mean, I might at this point I was just thinking his profound misunderstanding of the left is so deep that James Cameron doesn't have a submarine that can reach the bottom of it. Because everything, you know, and it's always like this, whenever we're reading right-wing authors talking about what the left is, it's always a straw man. And I always have to figure out for myself, to what extent do they actually believe this versus they're just coming up with this and using it to inspire the people they want to reach through their work. I don't know what the mix is there. I think with Dinesh, it's a mix of a little bit of both. But I think he's more on the end of knowing that he's full of shit and just saying it anyway. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, because they cut to the thing about, you know, that that leftists promise free stuff all the time. And, you know, my first note was initially like, no, I know that things cost money. 
I don't think things are free. Like, yeah. I, like none, none, nobody believes that. And then he's like, oh, because it will come from the rich. And, you know, they show like this old 50s movie of people, you know, police coming in and sticking people up. And I'm like, do you think that if, you know, democratic socialism becomes more prominent than people are just going to go to Elon Musk's house and peruse around his home and steal all of his things. Like that's not what that is. It's just, you pay your fair share. That's all anybody is asking. Yeah. Yeah. Pay we're taxes. waiting for him to go to Mars before we go ransack his house. We that's know he's not home. Duh. Was it, was someone locked in Elon? Was it that rapper was locked in Elon Musk's house for a while? I forget. Azalea Banks. Was that yeah, so Elon Musk? Banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, I, think, I don't know how this is a story I'm not familiar with. No, oh, like it was. is amazing. Yeah, yeah, so she was there to record music with Grimes, and she just, like, walked into Elon Musk's house, which I was like, oh, that's a thing you can do? And um, Elon Musk was there, but he was, you know, on acid or something, and he was just tripping balls, and Grimes was nowhere to be seen. So she was just kind of, like, trapped in the house with this man. And apparently that's when he had tweeted like a lot of weird stuff about the Tesla stock. And so she, Azalea Banks has been subpoenaed to, uh, <laughs> to give a deposition for the SEC investigation into Elon Musk, which I find a delight. It is a delight. Oh my God. Go. Okay. That's, that's a story for another day to really drill down to the bottom. Of. Oh yes. I, I could write a novel about this you story should. because it is one of my yeah it's one of my obsessions is just uh how azalea banks uh this is not the first time she has been trapped in a celebrity's house by the way so this is just elon musk is the example of why there shouldn't be billionaires he just really like no nobody needs that money just please we don't need to give anyone that much power it's ridiculous but the section you were talking about where he starts getting into socialists are all about free stuff uh i labeled in my notes the funkodelic socialist boogie portion (laughs) of the show yeah. Uh, in my it's, music it, note, he, he titles is, uh, it. He titles it as the socialist dream. So he, let's talk about the title cards quickly. It's a full red background and yep. then scary white letters, and it's like socialist dream. And then it's like I don't know which song it is, but it's the equivalent of like money, 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 money. Yes, it's money. the. <laughs> but he couldn't afford that song, so it's yeah. like sometimes. Yes! Again, going back to Lifetime movies, you know, they'll have like a song playing in the background that is, you know, it's supposed to give you the same vibe as if, oh, we're playing Halo by Beyonce, but we do not have Halo by Beyonce money. We've written it in a minor key, so, you know. Yeah, so (laughs) here's like this off-brand version of the song. That's not the song, but yeah. yeah, it's a whole service apparently that you can use for that. It's like they they have the same sheet music, but they change every 12th note, so it's just the wrong one and completely screws up the flow of the song. That's basically what they do. And uh, yeah, my music note for this section was, Shaft just got paid. Because uh, it's, it's, it's this funkadelic, groovy, you're walking in, you got a fistful of cash. There's a clip of someone in a money box, like, you know, the prom money box, where you try and grab all the cash that's being blown around you with a leaf blower. There's one of those going on. 
And then just clips of AOC and other people saying things out of context. It makes no, there's no point to this yeah. fucking portion no, of the and movie. Again, but show, it was okay. so much fun. Show, showing things that again all happened during capitalism, like the money l- blow dry, whatever it's called. I don't know. Yes. When when they lock that woman in a cage and make her pay for to be let out with the money she can catch. I don't know what that game is. That seems like what it was. And Look, <laughs> I grew up. I grew up in Sacramento in the '90s, a town that is famous for one of our radio stations having a con test to win a Nintendo Wii that killed someone because they drank a bunch of water and didn't go to the bathroom. That happened during capitalism, you bastard. Also, there's the scary voiceover of should 51% of the country be able to dictate what the rest of the country does? Actually, it's much less. If you look at the bias of the Senate, you can do it with around 34% of the country. So, Yeah, yeah, they're doing it right now. Republicans get to do that. Yes. Yeah. And then we weirdly cut to Obama and Biden's houses. Like, they, oh, they've got beach houses. Climate change can't be real. Oh, like, but before what? that, they do some more bad CGI of what I assume he tried to make Mordor-esque. He was like, let's talk about the Green New Deal. And then, yeah, they do this weird cut to TMZ. You know, that, that uh, bastion of journalism uh, reporting about Obama's mansion and Martha... And Martha's Vineyard, which again, I was like, but weren't you all saying capitalism was good, but it's bad when Obama does it? And then, yeah, they cut to Biden's beach house and it's not that big. (laughs) Right. Biden has a relatively modest beach house. Like for Delaware, it's a Delaware beach house, right? Yeah. Biden is a Delaware guy. And like the house is up on stilts and everything. Yeah. It's sort of hilarious that they're trying to make this into their global warming. Obviously, can't be real because these people have homes near the water. Yeah, and I'm like, was, that's that, why we care about the Green New Deal so that we can go to the beach and live we there. We want to save like, Biden's like, beach house. Clients, you all live near beach, ta- near coastal towns, <laughs> yet you believe in climate change and want to do something about well, it. Well, it's like, because... Yeah, because I don't want to drown and die. And yeah, the Biden Beach House, yeah, again, I cannot explain to you how, like, I have been to nicer, like, beach condos. Like, it is bonkers <laughs> how, like, it is just, it is a, it's, you know, a relative, it's a nice beach house, but, you know, it, they're acting as if we're supposed to gasp and at, react to this, like, they just showed us the Palace of Versailles. Yeah. yeah, I think well, I, I Airbnb'd think... that place out with 12 friends once. I'm pretty sure uh, Biden's got it on Airbnb I, these days. I think the, the point of it was, like, they wouldn't buy houses near the coast if they really believed climate change was real because they'd think it was going to be underwater in 10 years, right? Like, that was the... It wasn't the cost of the beach house, I don't think. Right, because they had that out-of-context AOC 12 years until climate change wipes us out thing, yeah, which was, yeah. like, she was just being hyperbolic when and she said New that. And then New York CGI'd underwater. Right. Great stuff. Literally every so building he, except the World Trade Center was underwater. Yes, right? yes. Yeah, I can't so show he, that. that he ends off that section asking us the question, what's the point of this racket? Is to exploit the politics of fear, just like with coronavirus, which is where I realized Dinesh D'Souza thinks coronavirus is a hoax. Oh, <laughs> Probably. 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 And then, I don't and know then, why else you would say that if that wasn't what you were going for. He does he, imply that the Chinese did it. And oh, he, he cuts to Trump being like, it comes from China. But yeah. then we do have this weird, I don't know if y'all already discussed the scene yet, but when Trump is giving money to a homeless man. Yeah, that's weird. Let's do that later. It's, yes. So we get a new title card. Well, hold on. Says, just, just quickly, I, I, I want to point out that I love it, love it, love it when people reference Monopoly as being like, oh, this capitalist thing. Look how good capitalism is. Monopoly was invented as an anti-capitalist, like, 
thing <laughs> game to show that nobody should have too much power because it destroys things. And then it was stolen by the game maker <laughs> and turned into a, a like a capitalist the cutthroat game. So love, love when people do that. I love to point that out. Carry on. Wonderful. So yes, we get a title card which says Capitalist Manifesto on it. <laughs> And the first scene we see after that title card is Dinesh D'Souza sitting in a chair reading the art of the deal like the dick he is. Yep. <laughs> Nobody fucking reads that book. And I mean, put aside the fact that we know Trump didn't actually write it. It's very clear. Everyone knows Trump didn't actually write it. Yeah, we but get he has one the impersonator more... read it, right? Is the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We get one of the more bullshit uh, stories from Trump's past. So the point we get this story from is Donald Trump, apparently back in the 90s, 80s or 90s, walking next to what I assume is just a prostitute they hired for the scene, uh, going past a homeless guy and Trump, the Trump impersonator from earlier in the film, telling whoever he's walking next to, which I assume is supposed to be Ivanka, uh, that the homeless guy is richer than Donald Trump. Yes, he says, I have it exactly. He gives the homeless man some money, which Donald Trump has never done ever in his entire life. Mm -hmm. And he says, oh, that that guy's worth um, $900 million more than me. And I guess that that is like implying, you know, because of how in debt Trump He's is. He's got so much debt. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but then I'm like, that is an indictment of capitalism. Yeah. That the homeless <laughs> man is on the street and you are $900 million in debt. Yeah, and fine, just walking around, able to give people money. It, yeah, it is exactly that. And especially like real estate, if you're like, yes, this real estate is a great example of how government assistance doesn't work. Real estate developers get huge tax breaks from the government. Like it's a huge, like people wouldn't be able to put as much money they, as they do into things if they didn't, if they weren't allowed to do that. Again, it's like innovation. It's like um, Elon Musk complaining about like, the government giving innovation funds like the, tesla's benefited massively from that it's always pulling the ladder up behind you stuff it's bizarre yeah and then that's when we get this yeah this animated scene where he is buying this building for 10 million dollars and i'm like wait a second i thought you said he was broke and then their <laughs> point of showing this scene is basically saying oh well capitalists deserve this money because you know they take the risks and they you know and you can be anybody you want to be and you can do it if you have a mind to it i'm like yeah let me just walk into an office and be like i would like to buy your building for 10 million dollars and they'd be like i'm sorry who are you absolutely not yeah it's exactly but it's like it the point that i take away from it is like if you're enough of a con man you can do anything under capitalism like that's that's exactly what it is it's very grifter and it, the point is so he, he's he's trying here to he quotes marx and is like hey the capital class is pointless and then proceeds to prove that while thinking he's proving the opposite which is it's it's weird it is a weird thing well yeah so the the whole animated section is about the commodore hotel deal donald trump's first deal in manhattan uh which he so it's a whole we don't need to get into it but yeah there was a 10 million dollar purchase price and Donald Trump claims to have not gotten any money from his dad, but of course he obviously used his dad's connections to get in at banks and get loans and all that sort of stuff. Uh, it's ridiculous to claim he actually did all this on his own. And he made a terrible deal on that hotel, screwed over his partners, and may have committed fraud. Cool. Uh, there's a whole thing that went down years after the hotel was actually finished where he ended up getting pushed out because he was using non-GAAP... Um, 
uh, accounting procedures and uh, was likely lying about his own financials to the partners in the hotel deal. So bad example, Dinesh, but you're not going to be able to find a good example of Donald Trump doing a deal. So I understand why he went for that one. Yeah, and then he says um, these things, which I believe I just started screaming at the TV as if I was, <laughs> uh, you know, watching a football game. He said, I think I know what you're going to say. Yeah, capitalism encourages creativity and empathy. And then at the end he, of this little segment, he says, capitalism is the true form of social justice, which <laughs> I just started yelling. And then he also contrasts, um, you know, Donald Trump's successful business, which again, it's like these capitalists deserve to be rewarded because they take on all these risks. And I'm like, yes, because they are so wealthy that if they lose all these risks, it will not affect them that much. And also they have things like health care and things like that like in this country most people have health care tied to their jobs so they're not going to go start a new company because if they sink everything they have it they have to sink everything they have into it they don't just have 10 million dollars to just throw around and also he can he compares this with um you know oh the socialists think the post office is so great or whatever and i always hear the right <laughs> complain about the post office and like the post office is wildly popular like yeah. people were very upset when the post office was being messed with you know it is insanely popular the reason it is not as successful as probably it could be is because republicans had this narrative in there that the post office must fail because they want everything to be privatized and also the DMV, he's like, oh, you know, the DMV, that's ran by the states. Yeah, that's true. Not the federal but, government. Yeah. So the post, the post office thing, right? I've never been into a post office and had to wait more than five minutes. Yeah, I, don't I love understand. the post office. The post office I, is great. It's a modern marvel and people should back off. We're all here defending the post office. I love that that's what this devolves into for us. Yep. So we get the stands. next... Yeah, yeah, we're all we're all standing the the post office. So we get the next title card, which is titled "Identity Socialism." No, Kevin, it's identity socialism. Yes, you have to do it in the scary voice. And we revert back to the disco supermarket theme from our our funkadelic <laughs> section earlier. Um, and he starts with this quote, which is "Identity Identity Socialism seeks to create a coalition of victims." Mm, we hate. And victims. the first person he brings out to demonstrate this point is. I can't do the sarcastic air quotes in my voice enough for this. Comedian and political activist Terrence K. Williams. Let me try. Can you hear the eye roll in my voice? Mm -hmm. Comedian and political activist Terrence <laughs> K. Williams. <laughs> no, it sounds more like you're begrudgingly giving it to him. Fine. I don't yeah, even yeah, want to give right, it to him. Right, right, because right. to be a comedian, you have to be funny. <laughs> and you have to have at least done a stand-up performance yeah. I like the life. bit that they, they put the joke in. Like, he did one joke, and it was verbatim. You know, I went to the White House. That's what I call black privilege. Yeah. Which I was like, was Got that him. supposed to be funny? Yeah, or that was like the what? joke. And here's my theory about how he became known as a comedian. And this is also my theory about Kevin Hart and various other short comedians. Mm -hmm. I think that we see a short man and our reaction is to laugh <laughs> at them. And we should stop <laughs> doing that because then they start thinking that they are actually funny. And then, then they we start give them going power. on these like 
and then they're like, oh, because I'm a short man, I have an axe to grind with everybody. And now that I'm famous, y'all are all going to get it. No, so, no offense to all of our short king listeners, obviously. Yes, no, yeah. all of you are kings and wonderful and beautiful. But no, I'm talking about the man who has like sort of internalized this and made that his whole persona as like, I am a short man. Please laugh at me. And then they get mad about it and they then they have yeah this giant axe to grind and we had this very like i was like this seems racist like <laughs> um so this comedian in air quotes and dinesh are sitting down and dinesh is again air quotes interviewing him and then he says you know you basically goes through all the you know his struggles of life you know basically that he's black his mom was addicted to coke his mom had nine children and he was in foster care and then Dinesh says oh so you are natural fodder for the democratic party (laughs) and I was like oh like that was rough like that seemed very racist to me and I was just like I don't know if this is racist or not but it feels racist. It's it really does. Right, but it's because he's he's one of the Blexit people, which is the Candace yes. Owens thing, which is like the thinking that for some reason black people naturally vote Democrat and that they've been tricked into it and just don't know enough about Republicans, which is a racist assumption in itself. <laughs> but th- so th- their whole thing is like black people naturally vote Democrats and we've got to convince them not to do that. So that's that's why right. I presume he was like, this is my purpose. And Dinesh was like, I will ask you about that. So maybe Dinesh wasn't as bad as we thought he was. You know, I think he's just encouraging the guy's conversation, which is his point of view anyway. Yeah. And then this guy says, um, he's like, nobody, he goes on this thing of like, nobody owes me anything. I don't owe you anything. You owe, you owe yourself. And I'm like, what does that mean? That's like something like I'm imagining I'm on a, a you know, I'm on like a home in-house date or whatever i'm eating chinese takeout watching netflix i open a fortune cookie and that's what it says i'm like that means nothing (laughs) you don't i don't owe you anything you owe yourself i'm like owe myself what yeah that's a great question is dollar store tony robbins type stuff is all he has to offer yeah yeah but so this guy terrence k williams he first came to prominence on social media folks Basically, posting videos of himself eating fried chicken while video Ooh. of a Democrat talking played next to him. That was that was the sort of thing that made him popular in right-wing Ooh. circles because he's a token. He's another token, just like Candace Owens, right? That's the, the hole that they fill. Uh, and providing this message that, look at me, I came from this background, I'm black, whatever the case may be, you don't have to be a Democrat, implying that and also, the only look, reason to be a Democrat is because. A black friend. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's See? part. But I actually have run into this guy in real life. Uh, Terrence K. Williams. He was at the White House for the Black Leadership event that took place a few years ago. Um, and after that event, I was over near the White House in a, a quaint and lovely cigar bar called Shelley's Backroom, which I hope will still be open in the future after COVID is gone. Um, where he walked in wearing his MAGA hat and sat down and the enormous black guy sitting next to me told him to take off his stupid fucking hat, <laughs> which he promptly took the fuck off. So that was lovely. That was a lo- he's, he's an absolute coward of a human being. He's a nobody. Uh, but his, his IMDB page, I think, is so enlightening 
on where all this comes from because this guy is someone who I think clearly wants to be an actor and be famous. And he's trying so hard, and he thinks that this is a way to get some exposure. So his earliest credits are from appearing on Waters World, the Fox News show, uh, followed by the Candace Owens show in 2019, and the Greg Gutfeld show in 2020. It's the classic. But he actually has a few credits as an actor, uh, in addition to his, his appearing on cable news. He was in the TV series Tactical Girl in 2018. Why wouldn't he be? That seems right. <laughs> he was in the short Tango Down as Vice President Carl in Ooh. 2019. Yep. And uh, an apparently completed but unreleased project called The Pizza Joint, where he played Chad the Pizza Guy. Oh no, is this about Pizzagate? No, no, I don't know, no. but I tap want out. to see tap it. Tap out on that, absolutely. <laughs> I don't know what it's supposed to be about. What yeah. else could it be? Because, like, I, he's, again, and this is also a common theme with these grifter types, is, like, they try to make it in Hollywood, and they find out it's hard, and mm-hmm. or they're not as talented as, you know, they thought as they mummy, could As mummy said they were, yeah. Yeah, and then they're like, but I was told you could accomplish your dreams under capitalism, so I'm going to lean really hard into that and become a complete grifter. It's what David Rubin's done. It's, you know, it's like... Yep. Ben Shapiro wanted to be a Hollywood writer, you know. I didn't know that until recently. Yeah, it's it's crazy how many of these... Like, it's crazy how often you'll look into these people and you're like, oh, there it is. (laughs) That's it. That's the one. Well, I did just now, as you were talking, look into the plot summary of the pizza joint, and it appears to be your average pizza slash marijuana comedy movie. Mm. So it appears he has a minor role in that. Because he's not even one of the main listed names I can find for that movie on IMDb. So it appears he's just a bit role. Oh, that's bleak. I could probably walk on set and get a bigger role. <laughs> I could be an over five if I just showed up. I I mostly love this section because I'm like, okay, I know that this is going to end with Martin Luther King. And you yep. know what? It did. It and it did. was the it exact Martin Luther did. King that they always quote. And it was the, I hope my children will be judged not by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. And it was like, you know, like in The Simpsons where they turn around, it's like, say the line. And you're like, yay. That's how I <laughs> felt when this this happened. It was yeah. yeah like, your character's get... terrible. There. We all yeah. agree. Yeah, and exactly. you're like, black kids and white kids to play together on a playground. And yeah. I was like, I don't think that was the extent of <laughs> was, his, I not. have a dream. It was not. But right. then, and, yeah, then we, then we get all the smash cuts to all the different people who vote Democrat that Dinesh thinks shouldn't vote Democrat. Which is <laughs> well, great. I mean, just to, just to end the Terrence K. Williams bit, because he, he splits it up by particular demographic that he's going to go through. Mm. But to end the, the Terrence K. Williams bit, like what you mentioned, Benedict, Uh, The the quote that we get in particular from Mr. Williams is, you know, Martin Luther King just wanted kids to play in parks and eat in restaurants. And we have that now. That's not a direct quote. And we have that now. Cut. The end. Move on. (laughs) It's wonderful. And uh, Dinesh tells us, next stop, Hispanics. For the left, it's all about the illegals. Yep. And he has a a quote from Biden saying that many of the DACA kids are more American than many Americans. And Dinesh asked, how could that be true? Yep, that's it. That's the end of the section. Well, we get 
we get another guy named because he has an individual to go along with every one of the. He has a token yeah. for every demographic. Well, yeah, no, he's well going not to even talk that. About. It's just like it, it, everything is so poorly sourced. Like the golden rule of journalism is you need you are supposed to have unless it's a huge story that no one, no more than one person would be able to tell you. You are supposed to have at least two named sources on the record for any story. None of the Dinesh's sources are backed up by any other source or say how they know all of this information. <laughs> Yeah. They just say things. <laughs> well, one person crazy. has firsthand knowledge. <laughs> yeah. What about my anecdotal account? <laughs> and we'll get to it. Yeah. But first, we have to get to Rick Figueroa. We don't. Uh, have to. Who is another feel, fucking nobody? I don't feel nobody. the need to talk about Rick Figueroa. Yeah. I think, I feel like well, I I'll just go through him really quickly. Uh, he's another fucking nobody. He's a managing partner of a two-person financial advisory firm who once spoke at a Trump rally and has been appointed to a couple of do-nothing boards by Rick Perry. Now, I was also able to find that he has a website titled Figueroa for Texas okay. that doesn't actually seem to be connected to any particular election or political activity. It just reposts all of his tweets and has some about Rick sections and stuff like that. Okay, and this um, guy again indicts capitalism because he says, I was not particularly smart. There's nothing exceptional about me. But anyways, I'm rich. Yeah. And that's not a direct quote, but that's the direct line, basically. Like, he talks about how there's nothing exceptional about him, but, like, he's also portrayed as, you know, this great, rich businessman. And I'm like, but I thought you said capitalism makes sure that all the smartest, most innovative people get all the money. Yeah. And also, he says, I don't support free health care. And goes, this is a weird metaphor about cows I could not follow. No, but but his point is, people wouldn't appreciate health care if they got it for free. Like, motherfucker, <laughs> you, you clearly don't know how much people need health care this dickhead yeah he actually uses the line that people don't appreciate things that they get for free like health like being alive like the ability care? to be alive yeah he, and it's like okay so what's the lesson from that that like oh you're not a you're not on your knees thanking every like whoever's giving you health care enough so you don't deserve it like also who cares who who cares? And also this whole thing about like, oh, well, you know, if people had free health care and free education, then, yeah, maybe they could go on more of these these capitalist ventures that these people applaud so much, you know, because then they wouldn't have to be afraid of like, oh, well, if I leave my job, I won't have health care. So I'm not going to go and do this innovative, you know, idea that I have and pursue that. Um so yeah, again, like it's your movie and they are <laughs> inviting capitalism so much, but um, yeah, this yep. guy just, just the worst. Again, it's this like, guy, he's, he's the guy wearing the cowboy hat, talking with the accent, Sucks. even though he probably doesn't have a real accent. He's that guy. Hates it. Uh, and we end that section with a quote from Trump where Trump is talking to a crowd and says, the Latino community embodies the pioneering spirit of America. We're a nation that loves adventure, and you love adventure. <laughs> we love Latinos. It's it's like the speech embodiment of him ordering a taco bowl and being, I love the Hispanics. It really is. Like, it really oh, is. God. And the next section we get to women. is, of course, women. All women. Uh, all women. Ooh. And his token for that section is his daughter, Danielle D'Souza. Wild. All women want abortions now. That's <laughs> apparently like... has a forthcoming anti-abortion book. Of course book. she does. 
the griff never stopped. He has passed on the griff to his children, his wife, just, and I, and she says things like the things she says in here are complete lunacy, like that the Democrats celebrate if you have an abortion as you're dilating and giving birth. And I'm like, right. do we? And also like, I don't even care to engage in that conversation anymore because I'm like, you're obviously just making stuff up. And guess what? I don't have to engage in that conversation with you like believe whatever you want to and i found that to be incredibly freeing to just be like yeah man believe whatever you want and just walk away they get so mad when you do that because they're like no i have to distract you and make you engage in this bad faith conversation also note on um there apparently were two makeup artists that also did hair on this film. I do not believe that. Or if they did hire makeup artists, they hate everyone that was involved in this film because she looks so washed out. And it probably because while she was not aborted, her soul certainly has been. No, I didn't notice that. But I also noticed, I don't know if you noticed this in the credits, there is also a stunt director for this movie. Name a stunt in this movie. Okay, I saw that note that you made on that. And I think it's at the end, we'll get to it, when Donald Trump fights a mugger. Yep. (laughs) Was that a stunt? He got out of the car and went, go, get away, go. Yeah, I know, but they probably had to, look, it probably was Dinesh's cousin who needed work. Yeah. But also she points out, Dinesh's daughter, that, um, you know, Democrats, they'll even acknowledge when somebody's pregnant, they say they are with child. And I'm like, what am I, in a nativity play? I have never said that. Yeah, yeah. It's I. I don't. I don't care for the bullshit abortion arguments because this whole section is just preaching to their stupid choir. It's not actually an argument that would be trying to convince anyone on the other side. It's just preaching to the choir. Yeah, and it's him trying to be like, "Look, my daughter is a grifter whose career you all should also follow and buy yeah. her book." It's a promo. <laughs> he literally Absolutely. says that. He's like, "My my daughter happens to have a book coming out soon." Yeah. Okay, dude. <laughs> yeah. So we get to the next section where he says next. Sexual orientation. Yeah. We've had LGBT. I think he said something else, but I just he said, said LGBT. gays, lesbian, and bisexuals get a shout yes. out, which I was glad to yeah. see because earlier he said it's gay versus straight, and I was like, what is this bisexual erasure? <laughs> but it's time versus to everybody. Was <laughs> it was good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says, but what's different? What's new is that it now has become an ideology. Yeah, he and literally the said, token- basically, I wish they wouldn't keep shouting about it, which is like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the token we get for this one is Scott Pressler, who on Twitter is known as hashtag the persistence. Oh, it's that guy. Okay. okay. It's that guy. Guy with the worst. It's he's trying to not be a mullet guy, but it's a mullet. Yeah. He's trying to not have it be a mullet, but that is absolutely just an overgrown mullet. Again, I found that this bit was super boring. It's just like the same, like oppression Olympics. You can do whatever you want. Blah, 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 blah. Is it? Fine. Right, it's the Whatever. same thing every time. Boring. And it's just this this kid, all he's done that I can find is organize trash cleanups to try and help make Republicans look better because Republicans don't care about community organizing or helping people. So as long as there's one, they can point to him and say, Look, we're doing it. And yeah, that's and all I can token, tell he's ever done. Yeah, he's the token he's the good gay. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think he I, realizes at the end of the day, um, they're going to turn on you too. But again, because he, he looks to be white and affluent, like at the end of the day, they don't care about that. And he supports Trump. So they can also tell themselves, look, I'm not homophobic. I have a gay friend. But yeah, he also says when he's mentioning his picking up trash efforts, 
He talks about this, oh, I went into this super dangerous area of Chicago and picked up trash. And it's like, okay, <laughs> no one asked you to do that. And also that seemed like really, it was some weird veiled racism here too, because they say that the trash is like a metaphor for these cities. You wow, know. I didn't even notice that. Yeah, he says the trash is a metaphor for these cities and that the Democrats have abandoned them and don't care. And again, these are, yeah, the whole Democrat-ran cities trope, which, yeah. you know, we know who lives in the cities and who, yeah. you know, <laughs> throws the trash on the streets. Exactly. Wink. Yeah, exactly. there was a lot of that going on there. And that yeah. can, we, can we please do the island bend a bit now? This is so yes. fun. Yes, okay. we will. So cool. moving on from those groups that we've talked about, we now get into... Muslims. All of them. And the question that Dinesh seems to be trying to ask here is why would the left align with Muslims? Why wouldn't they hate them when Muslims, as Dinesh calls them all as a singular group, are against everything that the left likes? Mm-hmm. And to bring us our first bit on this, we get Alan Bender, who is a guy so full of shit, even the Daily Caller wouldn't answer his calls. Cool. Good stuff. Also, a massive pro Saudi lobbyist. Yes, yes. Uh, This is the guy who made those claims you might have heard about in the news a while back that Ilhan Omar is completely controlled by Qatar uh, and that they call her Sister Omar. And as such by Iran, because everything that Iran wants to do is funnel through the Qataris is the claim here. And I know it's pronounced Qatar. I don't care. It sounds better to me as Qatar. Qatar. Yeah, and then he also says, they even mentioned this, again, in the movie, and I'm like, you didn't have to say this in the movie. I was not interested enough in what this man had to say to look it up. But they mentioned, he knows what the Middle East has in store for America, and then the next sentence is mentioning how he's Canadian. Yeah. And I'm just like, then what? Like, then why? That's not his business. Why don't you stay in Canadian business? Absolutely. Well, I think it's because he has the whole conspiracy. That's why they wanted to get him in. And, and Dinesh is no enemy to conspiracies okay. in this film. Absolutely not. But it's a lead in to what we're going to get to next, right? Obviously, we need to know that every Muslim who makes it into government is a spy for one, uh, you know, Islamic regime or another. Yeah, they're a plan. They all get along. They all are working together, as we know. Uh Um, All of them Mm -hmm. are the same and famously love each other. And then we get, to back up that point, right-wing shit poster Imam Tahidi. The Imam of Peace, you mean? Yeah, that fucking guy. Um, can I just quickly say that he says that uh, the Alan, ben- Alan Bender says that the Iranians control Ilhan Omar with money and sex and then just doesn't yeah. expand on that at all. No, they don't. Yeah, I have that in my notes too. He said they control her with her two weaknesses, money and sex, and then they do not unpack that at all. Like, they do not say like, oh, the, you know, the Iranians have been funneling this money to her. They don't say like that the Iranians are like giving her like these hunky bimbo men like i don't know what is going on there but they never address it i think even then because dinesh was like if we unpack that now i kind of want to know if there is like footage of him unpacking that but dinesh was like oh i can't put even put that in my movie oh what if ilhan omar is queen Maeve from the boys (laughs) what if that's the real story i don't know i don't know i don't think benedict i haven't watched it but i love to you bastard A couple of our audience will get the joke. It'll be wonderful. But yes, so now we move on to Imam Tawhidi, who, if you are unaware of him, uh, he is basically a right-wing shit poster Mm. and an imam with no mosque and less than a handful of followers in real life who is the right-wing's favorite Muslim. Uh, He basically just spends all of his time 
attacking Islam. Yeah. And saying weird stuff about Ilhan Omar as if he personally yep. knows her. Yeah. Like, she came here as a child, and and he's like, Ilhan Omar and- came here as a secret, basically, spy <laughs> for, for Somalia and for the Islamic State. And, like, that would be like if I was like, Dinesh D'Souza has been making these videos as part of a secret plan by India to you cripple the United that. States. Like Honestly, like... Shit, I, he's a Modi spy! I was, I was thinking about this. Like, in a better world, Ilhan Omar would be a poster child for the American dream. Right? Mm-hmm. Like, she yes. came here as a refugee, like a Somali refugee from a war torn country. America looked after her and then voted her into goddamn office. Like, great. Fucking put that on the poster. No, she's, uh, she's ISIS in lipstick, is what he calls her. Like, fuck yep. off. It's so annoying. And then he says, Ilhan Omar, you know, she is pro abortion because they have to wrestle with this, right? Because that, like, you know, not all Muslims are like fundamentalist jihadis, you know, and that's a point that they kind of have to concede and wrestle with in the movie. But then they're like, no, no, they all are all jihadists and fundamentalists, but. Um, they're just pretending. Know, they- yeah, they're pretending because they really think the left is dumb. And I'm like, that is a weird long con to play. Yeah. And they're like, Ilhan Omar would never have an abortion. She would never have an abortion. I'm like, girl, do you know And he her? slaps the table. He slaps the table when he says it. Yeah. Yes. And it's just a wild thing. Just I wouldn't even, and like to go on film and say that about somebody you don't even know. Like also that is something I would not even say like about my best friend, much less speculate wildly <laughs> yeah. about. Like, and he says it with such authority as if like, girl, we were talking talking about this over martinis you know like, <laughs> like as if he which, knows. which she drinks because she has to pretend not to be a fundamentalist Muslim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't forget, exactly. also this guy lives in all this guy lives in australia again another guy who's not in the united states claiming to know everything about these inside uh muslim extremists who are infiltrating our government okay and then they go into like all these people who tried to join isis and i do recall like hearing some stories about that but the most the example that I know of is actually from so I went to Ole Miss, the University of Mississippi, and our in-state rival school is Mississippi State University, MSU. There were two MSU students who tried to join ISIS, but guess what? They weren't Middle Eastern at all. Oh God! They weren't I, even. And I bet I bet you never let them forget that, did you? <laughs> oh God, no! Like we all bring that up sometimes. Like we don't even bring that. But the situation was so weird. Like we kind of don't even bring it up that much because it was just like, huh? That was a weird thing that happened. That's we recognize is not reflective of a whole school, and there's other things yeah. to you know make fun of about them. But yeah, that definitely is one that's like. And I feel like people have almost kind of moved on and forgotten about that. It's just a thing that, you know, when I bring it up with like one of my friends or somebody who I know went to MSU, you know, and I'm like, yeah, remember that thing? And they just go, yeah, that was really weird. And then everybody just moves on. Like no one thinks that makes some kind of point. Uh, To be honest, though, as someone who went to another great football rivalry school, Cal, our rival Stanford, if some Stanford students had tried to join ISIS, we would have turned it into a chant at football games. Oh, no, no, we have definitely, (laughs) but we have definitely, we'll definitely bring it up. Like, that's not something we don't, you know, we don't not bring up. But like, it is a thing where everybody's like, huh. (laughs) (laughs) like what was going on there (laughs) yes so the whole point of that section was to say that uh we have these infiltrators muslims in the u.s government who are trying to turn the united states into an islamic caliphate they do the old trope of going around the street and talking to people and asking uh presumably muslims if they prefer sharia law or 
uh, U.S. law, and it's an RT clip they're using, uh, which is sure. wonderful. And, of course, they're saying Sharia law because white people don't understand what they mean by Sharia law when they're talking about it. So, uh, like, and like, all of us here are atheists. None of us love Islam. We think all religions are stupid. But there's a difference between religion and people. We're talking about fucking people. And it, for Dinesh and all the people who are watching this movie gleefully and enjoying it, Muslims are all one thing. So we get the next title card now. We're moving on. We're going back to socialism and another argument which is completely inconsistent with the previous argument that we're trying to turn uh, the United States into a caliphate, which is that we're trying to turn it into a socialist country based off of the Scandinavian countries. Yeah, Yeah, we get a clip of girls dancing in a circle with flower crowns, and I'm like, could y'all not afford the footage from, what was that horror movie? Midsummer. yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it very much gave me those vibes. And I don't know if that's the kind of thing Dinesh was going for, like yeah Why there was also woman on mountain doing yoga and wind farms <laughs> those were the intros to scandinavia that we got yeah by Just the way so you if know you watch midsummer with me it turns into a comedy movie because i will not shut up throughout that whole fucking thing that's <laughs> probably right you don't ever shut up kevin so this is also true um, oh, no. I, the, the, the bit i loved about this section where he's like scandinavian socialism doesn't work and then he spends maybe 30 seconds on scandinavia before being like but venezuela like this whole yeah. section is supposed to be about scandinavia and he's he literally like smash cuts to the the former prime minister of denmark being like yeah i guess we're a little socialist and then he's like well they're capitalist in wealth creation but socialist in wealth distribution which like yeah okay that's what we want and they're like, they're yeah. not really socialist <laughs> and then like yeah. he's like bernie went to moscow not stockholm and then he's like and cuba and then that's it that we don't talk about social scandinavia <laughs> at all for the rest of this whole section and they say the whole society basically pays for it. And then there's, there's a big consumption tax and it, you know, burdens the poor so much. And then, but they can't, they don't have any scary like images from Scandinavia. And as somebody who I was a small child when I lived in Iceland, but as somebody who did live in Iceland, I found this all very funny. <laughs> they just show like some Swedish kids like ice skating or something to be like, it's hell. Anyways, Venezuela. <laughs> Yeah, and like he has a clip there of Michael Moore's uh, movie Sicko when he went to the hospitals in Cuba. And it's like, yeah, we all know Michael Moore did a, a pretty bad job on that movie in particular. But like that doesn't have anything to do uh, with Scandinavian socialism. But it is his transition into what the left really wants, which is Venezuela. And, and he, he, has he, he ever brings, mentioned that his wife is from Venezuela? He, he brings has he mentioned Venezuela that in everything expert. he's ever written or ever said? Who is you ever, his you ever wife. mentioned that? Yeah, I've heard, I've heard him say it. And again, this is just a proof that just because you are from a place does not mean that you know about the place. That did, like, yes. it does not make you an expert in the place. Yeah, and for our, when we get it, the only thing really that we're going to talk about here for a significant portion of this is guns. Yeah. Because his person for Venezuela... Is his wife's friend, because again, they had such little budget, they relied exclusively on people they knew to be in this movie. His wife's friend, Gabby Frankel, who was the first Venezuelan woman to compete in the Olympics in shooting events. Uh, She came in. Uh, well, we're going to learn about that, obviously. Yeah. And then his whole, their whole thing is like, they do this montage of her like shooting guns, being a badass. Yeah. So they can be like, I know a woman is talking, but look at her. She knows how to shoot guns. <laughs> so she, you know, pick her, pick her. She's one of the good ones. She's one of the good brown ladies. So y'all need to listen. And by the way, because in this movie they have Gabby Frankel talking about guns, it does pass the Bechtel test. Oh, cool. So it works out. It works out on that front. 
Dinesh D'Souza, feminist icon. That's right. <laughs> it is weird, though. So, yes. He basically, he just spends a whole bunch of time on Chavez, right? And then tries to draw parallels with the modern left. And he's like, oh, he was indigenous and was like, hey, maybe we should have more indigenous people. And then that's a bad thing for some reason. And then it, it cuts to him, like, allegedly demonizing whites and the rich, but not actually, like, it's just him talking, but it's not the sound of him talking. So you, you just like take Dinesh's word for it that he's saying bad things about white people. And then like fossil fuels, I guess, is the, the next thing. And again, forgetting that Venezuela was actually quite prosperous under Chavez. It's gone a bit downhill since then, obviously. But like Chavez was immensely popular and people were quite wealthy under Chavez at the time. Yeah, two things can be true at once. Socialism is not evil, and Chavez and Maduro were authoritarian dictators who ended up fucking things up in the recent times. Maduro is in particular. Chavez, not great, but like did some good yeah. things. Yeah, and yeah. the excuse, because they do have to address this argument, I guess, they have to. I mean, it's his movie. He could have said whatever. But um, their thing is, you know, it's like, oh, these democratic socialists claim they don't want that because they're democratic. But no, they secretly want, you know, authoritarianism or it will inevitably become that. And it's like, no, that's, that's not what you, we're dude. saying. Yeah. You're arguing. It's like we're saying something and you're just like, oh, yeah, well, what if I change the statement you said into something I imagined? <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically what he does by making it again all about guns. Yeah. Pretending that was... socialism gives a shit about yeah. guns as an ideology. Socialism, the the political or the economic, economic system, doesn't give a shit about guns. No. But that's what he's going to keep talking Bernie, about. Bernie's actually relatively pro-gun for a Democrat because he's a, he represents Vermont, which is a very rural pro-gun state. Like Right. So the next guest he has on is Andrew Pollock, who is a I father of one of the was kids. Disgusting, by the way. I thought this oh, was maybe the most disgusting bit of the movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's the father of one of the kids killed at Parkland, um, and I don't want to say anything bad about him because I understand that people grieve in their own ways, yeah. and it's sad that he's just wrong about the solution to these problems. No, I, d I um, thought this bit was very exploitative of, of yeah. the situation. Is is what I mean? Not him specifically, but yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I have that in my in my notes as well. Like nothing about like the father, but obviously it is. You can see him wrestling with, oh well, this cop didn't run into the building, you know. He when he, you know, as soon as he heard the shot, so maybe my daughter could have been saved, and which is a natural thing for you to do when you're grieving, particularly over, you know, some somebody who you love who is died in such a violent and horrific way is you want somebody to blame like that is a completely natural thing to do even when it's not in a particularly violent way you know you want to be like there was a reason for this and it was this um you know and he goes into all this gambit of like things that he blames and and you know just these again these authoritative statements that he makes and Dinesh just is exploiting it and it's just like I just was like you vampire like you were just absolutely just leeching off of this man's grief into making it into your narrative where, um, and yeah, this man is, and you know, people come back with the whole thing of, Oh, why listen to the Parkland kids, but you know, not him. And it's like, because the Parkland kids have like, you know, reasonable solutions that could prevent this from happening in the future. Whereas this man is just grieving and, you know, he's offering these kind of policy solutions like arming teachers, but those mm -hmm. aren't things that will do anything to help. Yeah, you know, which is, which is the path understand. that Dinesh leads him down as well. He says, like, do you think army teachers would have kept your daughter alive? And he's like, yeah. So, 
Yep. He also sort of sadly um, promotes the idea of reopening the school to prison pipeline, yeah, which I found a little bit disturbing. Yeah, and it's like it's not the it's not white kids like Nicholas Cruz that get caught up into that. Yeah, it is not it is not these you know typical like school shooters. Also, Nicholas Cruz, Trump supporter, a very much fash sympathizer, like. That none of that went explored, but you know, of course, you can't put that in your movie. And yeah. this whole thing of like, oh, let me just leech off of this man's grief, and yeah. you know, Dinesh is over there with this grieving father trying to look like a badass in his ill fitting suit walking down the hallway. <laughs> yeah, it's just that yeah. whole segment was just gross, and it did nothing for the movie because, again, yeah. it's like. I am for like reasonable gun control, but I understand that, you know, as a democratic uh, socialist myself, that's not a real like hard position that many have. Like many people who I would say are allied with me, um, you know, in other arenas, you know, aren't on that arena. Yeah. So yeah, there's like a whole like socialist like rifle club like there is <laughs> like not you, you know so it's just like shoehorning again it's kind of like splattering Dinesh just splattered everything he could at the wall for this movie oh yeah it's like Here Mad Libs for conservative talking points definitely um yeah. just before so, we move on to the fake news I just want to quickly say that it's you know he he talks about the colectivos in Valencia uh, Valencia Venezuela and Antifa being the same because the colectivos were like a, a the government's enforcers he calls them and like you know how antifa loves the government right like that's oh, yeah. you know you know you know how we have our, our armed wing of the democratic party antifa. you know how when biden says go after those guys antifa just pops up and goes and attacks that's right anyway we can do the yeah. fake news now yes yeah, so we get the next title card which is hashtag fake news uh, and here, you know, obviously we're going to learn about how the biggest allies socialist to the left the, left, the socialist left are hollywood and the media. Yeah. I and as our example for this, we get Isaiah Washington. Very weird. It's like, I love it when they're like, you know, America and Hollywood in particular hates conservatives. And then you remember like, hey, wasn't Ronald Reagan a Hollywood actor? And then you're like, oh, and who was that? That was the governor. Oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Oh, Hollywood yeah. must oh. hate fucking conservative actors. And, and you remember that Tim Allen still has a fucking show? Yeah. <laughs> Weird. weird. Yeah, it is and weird. Also, his show got canceled, and then he claimed it was conservative oppression, and then his show got back on the air. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. like, well, he even used that to his advantage. So, talk about a coalition of victims. And but, it's always funny yeah. to me because you know the reason why there isn't more conservative uh, programming and content on on our various channels and things we use is literally the free market that Dinesh worships. Because there isn't enough people who want that garbage. Yeah, because conservatives are a minority in this country. So there's not enough money in producing content that particularly appeals to them. Yeah. Also, they just don't write good movies. Like, there's I, also that. Yeah. A right here. Yeah. Like, well, but, it's because they're not yeah. funny. Because their comedy is based on vindictiveness. It's not based on empathy and understanding the situations of others. Punching it's based on, I don't know, you and I, Morgan, we have a lot more similarities based on where you grew up and what I used to be in my youth. Uh, are you familiar with a particular comedian named Rodney Carrington? I am not, actually. Rodney Carrington's the guy with the boobs song, Show Them to Me. He was a guy I used to think was really funny, 
back when I was a right-wing shitbag. Uh, he has a whole bit I realized not too long ago when I listened to some of it again that is an entire track off of one of his albums that's just him doing the Chinese accent, good ching chong bing bong type stuff. It's just him doing that into a microphone for about three minutes. Cool. And that's what they're laughing at. Yeah, and that takes zero creativity or thought or anything. But yeah, also Isaiah Washington, I noticed he said um, Grey's Anatomy actor. Isaiah Washington <laughs> has not been on that show for quite some time. And as no. Isaiah Washington makes this thing about, you know, respecting boundaries... Um, he was kicked off of that show for not respecting boundaries because he used slurs and altercations with his co-workers cool. on that show. Awesome. Yep. My, he used homophobic slurs referencing T.R. Knight, one of his co-stars, who was, in fact, gay. My yep. uh, favorite. Probably not an ideal thing to do if you want to remain on a show no, long term. Also, my favorite bit of this interview was when, I can't remember which one of them said it, but one of them was like, you know... The people running Hollywood are all amoral because they were abused in the South for being gay. And I was just yeah. like, huh? How did... What? <laughs> well, it's a chain that gets into that. But yeah, he does He does say, Isaiah Washington says, that all the people who run Hollywood were abused in the South. So they come to Hollywood where everything's free. They can have free love and be open and all that stuff. That's and Dinesh turns that into, well, that kind of explains why they're all amoral, doesn't it? Yeah, but it's, it's also just like, is everyone in Hollywood from like like Mississippi like what? no no they are not <laughs> as somebody from Mississippi no I was like wait so I can just move to go to Hollywood and so you mean I should have pursued acting instead of law? yeah you can be as amoral as you want oh my god yeah no I'm packing my bags and I'm headed for Hollywood as soon as we end this podcast yeah, because awesome. I can just go there and, you know, I don't consider myself an amoral person, but apparently Hollywood will embrace me with open Maybe arms. You could I could probably yeah. walk on Grey's Anatomy and take his job. Probably. Anyway, so that's a weird before bit. We, we, we get one little bit before we get to probably my favorite moment oh, of the movie. Can we, let's just skip uh, But it's just this weird, another animated section. Again, the garbage animation. Somebody needs to introduce Dinesh to anime. It is amazingly cheap to make these days. He could have gotten something more high quality, but he went with this garbage instead. And it's a story about Saul Alinsky telling people to go dress as Klan's members at a Bush rally back he in the thinks, 70s, I think. All of the left loves Saul Alinsky so much. And like the left hasn't Absolutely. liked Saul Alinsky for like a good 20 years, I would say. <laughs> yeah, but after that, we get to Dinesh walking into a strip club to sit down and meet with a man named Larry Sinclair. Okay, I got so scared when yeah. I saw the shot. When I saw the shot of him, because I knew as soon as I saw, like, you know, they had these posters of, you know, the silhouettes of women, and he's going in. I'm like, no, I do not want to see Dinesh go into a strip club. There is nothing. I was like, what had these two done to me? I am going to murder them if I see him get a lap dance. But no, he meets again. It just it also they never explained why they meet in the strip club. No, I guess they no, could be like it's salacious, and I'm contrasting this to Stormy Daniels. But also <laughs> like Stormy Daniels isn't like some kind of radical leftist. And also what she said was true. 
Yeah, and also, yeah. <laughs> like, literally, there was a contract and a payment that was traceable. Th- th- this is funny because he's, like, he's using this to be like, oh, I'm only including this because I don't think the media took it as seriously as they should have done, given how seriously. Yes. Like, he even, I think even he knows deep down that this didn't happen. But he's like, oh, you should report out all accusations equally, is, is what he's trying to say in completely bad faith. Anyway, Kevin, tell us what And it's not even so- an accusation because there was nothing, in, there was nothing. Never, well, there is later on um, accusations of basically murder, but like at the time, like inherently, there's nothing wrong with what happened. Well, they did crack, which I think is the the allegation. That probably yeah, I forgot is. about that. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. So, also, I before love we the, go right on. past our listeners, what? why don't I tell them what Larry Sinclair is claiming? Yeah, you can, but I also want to make one point on on the the cocaine thing. So don't let me forget. Okay. To do that. So Larry Sinclair published a book in 2010 uh, through Sinclair Publishing, which is his own title. He created his own publishing company to put out this book, and it did not sell very well, uh, titled Barack Obama and Larry Sinclair, Cocaine, Sex, Lies, and Murder. And he claims that in 1999, he met Barack Obama in a... Uh, I don't remember where they said they met exactly. Somewhere in Chicago. The second time was at a Comfort Inn and Suites. (laughs) So he claims to have given oral sex to Barack Obama, and Barack came back for seconds. He did. It was a good beach. Like Which I wanted him so badly to be like, that's how good I am at sucking dick, Dinesh. I'll show you right now. That's how good I am at it. Like, And I love that this is, okay, and he claims that he did not recognize Obama or know who he was until he saw the 2004 Democratic Convention. Which I was yeah, like, yeah. no That's way, weird. no way you remember the dude who you performed oral sex on in a dark limo like 10, 10 years ago. And you're like, wow, that's Obama. Like, no, dude, I'm sorry. Like, and no, like, and, and all, we like, got to see, we got to see Larry Sinclair and what he looks like. We have all also seen photographs of Barack Obama shirtless. Famously. Really, Larry? You're going to pretend you could get that golden god. Keep dreaming, Larry. <laughs> Listen, maybe he was really good at it. The, the point I wanted to make is he says that they did cocaine and stuff together. The, my favorite thing, or like maybe the worst thing about this, is that he's like, yes, I did cocaine and the black man did crack. Like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> like even in this fake story you have to be you have to racialize which version of cocaine each of you did like did you just happen to have some cocaine and some crack and you were like well i chose the old sniffer and barry lit up the spoon like come on yeah and he changes kind of like in the middle of the story because he says yeah he was asking you know he was implying that he wanted to get some coke and he was like okay i'm cool with that and then he changes to like yeah he was smoking crack in the limo while i was sucking his dick and and it's just like, wait, what? I thought y'all were doing coke first, like you know, that which implies like a certain setting, like in the bar, you know. It's like I've never seen anybody like light up a crack pipe in the freaking bar, but um, you know, I guess I don't go to those kinds of places. I mean, yeah. But, well, um, telling on yourself. Would it surprise any of you to learn that perhaps Mr. Sinclair has a lengthy history of crimes involving fraud? No. Yeah, uh, but that's in 1981. Why- he was oh, arrested Biden for... indicted him to keep yeah. him quiet. Well, in 1981, he was arrested for larceny in Denver. Uh, in 1985, check forgery in Florida. In 1987, serious forgery charges that landed him a 16-year prison sentence that put him in prison until 1999, the year that he supposedly gave oral sex to Barack Obama. 
He is currently wanted in Colorado on felony theft and forgery charges from 2001. And yes, after his 2010 press conference at the Press Club here in Washington, D.C., he was arrested for larceny in Delaware. Apparently, according to him, upon the orders of Bo Biden, who was the Delaware Attorney General at the time. Yeah, which also uh, get Bo Biden's name out of your freaking mouth. But yeah, yes. he also says that the, was it the choir director of the church that Obama went to? Um, the one that they tried to be like, this is some kind of black nationalist oh, church, they, came up to him and yeah. said. Jeremiah Wright Church, that one? Yes. And said that, oh, oh, I uh, basically, I sucked Obama's dick too. You need to be careful. And then that guy got murdered. And I yep, was like, yep. well, how convenient is that, that he's not around to confirm that he totally <laughs> said this to you? And then they said, yeah, and his mom was even quoted in a, some kind of tabloid saying her son died to protect the president. And I'm like, that's a very vague statement to pull out. And also a tabloid, like, really? And they were just like, oh, yeah, the Washington Post didn't even print my story. And it's like, because it's not true yeah yeah it's the sad exploitation of someone's death in the same seth rich vein that we've come to know and love of the right wing so it's not really it's not really surprising that they would do that uh but uh, also notable about his arrest he claims in the document i'm sorry i keep calling this movie a documentary i really shouldn't do that in the movie he claims that he was arrested by the dc police department upon the orders of bo biden he was in fact arrested by the u.s marshal service who had been alerted that he was going to be there by some bloggers uh (laughs) who were following this story online. So that's how it actually happened. Um, but this man is basically Jacob, Jacob Wool's spirit animal. Yeah. I mean, that's really what Larry Sinclair yeah. is. Yeah, and I mean, the, the point is to, again, as we said, like uh, compare it to the Stormy Daniels stuff and be like, see, the media's unfair. And like, that's the only example he has of the media being unfair. So then we get onto the thugs with badges stuff in a minute, which is fun. Yes, we get a next time. He does ask the question, right? What happened to Larry Sinclair Day? Because uh, well, I don't remember Daniels what town. Day. West Hollywood named a Stormy Daniels Day after she came out with all the information. Of course, the answer being that this guy's obviously a liar and you're sitting there taking him seriously. Like, like a chump. Uh, but we get to the next title card, which is titled Thugs with Badges. Yeah, and this is where we get into the deep state conspiracy. This one's a lot. I don't have a whole bunch to say about this other than like there's literally a bit in this where like there's a cork board and red string, which I, I absolutely love. Oh yeah, there really is. So we get for this section, a woman named Catherine Engelbrecht or Engelbright, I'm not sure exactly how it's pronounced. I don't remember from the movie. Uh, but she uh, had an organization called... True the Vote. True the Vote. True the Vote was the organization she started, which sprung out of an earlier Tea Party organization she was a part of. And all she's arguing here is the old IRS targeting scandal. Which, like, she the was IRS looks the into IRS. you if you apply to be a charitable organization. That's just a thing that happens and should happen. Right, and there is some indication I was able to find that there was actually some shady stuff going on with her organization. Yeah, uh, I imagine making... that. I was like, what is she not telling in the story? Because, like, they then cut to, like, FBI agents, like, moving around boxes into a truck, which it's not even, cl- which I guarantee this isn't footage from, like, when they, like, supposedly, like, went to her, went through her things or whatever. And also, right, basically, you know who gets audited the most? It is poor people in the Mississippi Delta. Yeah. Yet they are not agents of the deep state. I would say so. I don't know about all this, but yeah, we get we get some we get a cast of characters here. I can't wait to get to who they interviewed next. Uh, yeah, basically, there was some voter intimidation going on uh, that True the Vote was likely engaging in uh, voter intimidation and trying to prevent 
black people, duh, from voting. Um, and uh, yeah, so they got extra extra talked to. They got looked at. And there was some stuff with the IRS targeting thing that went on. We've talked about it a little bit previously. I don't think there's really a lot of there there. But the next person we get to, who I know you're excited about, Morgan, George Papadopoulos comes up. I mean, I'm sorry, convicted felon nice. George Papadopoulos. <laughs> Yes, he is the idiot who first kind of got entangled in this whole uh, Russia scandal because yes. he's the idiot who was blabbing in a bar. And I think it was actually a diplomat or somebody from Australia who overheard him mm -hmm. and was just like, oh, I should immediately contact the feds about this. Like, this might be something they're interested in. And no, I had never heard his wife speak before. So <laughs> my jaw dropped when they were like, this Russian, this Russian agent that they say is a Russian agent most definitely isn't. And then his wife, in the most foreign accent I have ever heard. Yes, most definitely Russian agents. Yes, it was. Yeah, apparently she's <laughs> Italian, but still, I did not know that at the time. And I was just like, wait, is she Russian? And so I looked it up, but she is evidently Italian. But I'm yes. sure she probably does have some hot takes about Mussolini. But um, yeah, but it wasn't it wasn't a good look. Uh, it wasn't yeah, a good yeah. look for the way just the way they they played it out in the movie. She does very much sound Russian and it doesn't come off sounding well. But yes, George Papadopoulos, another guy who absolutely did what he was convicted mm. of. Yes, yep. and is here trying to claim it's a conspiracy. Penalty. He yep. says, I was facing 35 years in prison. That is false. He pled guilty and he was the prosecution recommended a sentence of zero to six months because he evidently he sang like a bird. So yep. um he cooperated to at least an extent with the Mueller investigation. Um, I don't think he was particularly that helpful because he probably didn't know enough to be um, particularly helpful to get any of the bigger fish. But yeah, he then goes into the story about how the feds raided him and he left $10,000 in cash with some lawyer in Greece. Yes, and that like, story. Oh my God, are I'm you like, shitting me? Yeah, I'm like, yeah, this is definitely something an innocent man does. You know how I am regularly taking $10,000 in cash from my clients while I sit in Athens. Like, George, you just implicated yourself in another crime. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I didn't understand most of this, to be honest. I didn't care to look into it. So I'll let you guys talk about this. <laughs> well, we will move on. We will move on since you're so poorly prepared as usual. Uh, to the next title card. I have eight pages entitled... of notes here. I just found that bit extremely boring. It, it made move. no sense. And he's a liar. Like yeah. he literally is convicted for lying. So yeah. everything he was saying was just like, oh, well, actually, I didn't do nothing. And I'm over here reading his guilty plea like, OK. <laughs> All right, he's just claiming that everyone who he uh, coordinated with and committed his crimes with were actually FBI plants of the deep state. Mm. Yeah, they were all just totally trying to get not Russian agents and that he yeah, no, he's just a dumbass who got caught like that's all there is to him. And he's trying to grift off of that and be like, uh-uh, I did not tell on y'all to Mueller. And because we can't fly from one conspiracy theory to the next fast enough, we almost immediately get the next title card, which is titled Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yep. In which we get Peter Schweitzer, who is another guy with the same old Hunter Biden conspiracy theories. Yep, very boring. Oh, and he, he also Didn't thinks all the Ukraine stuff was true, which like tells you about his credibility from, from day one. Yeah, it's it's just the same old Ukraine conspiracy theories, the same old five million from the wife of the Moscow mayor, all that stuff. 
Uh, there's it, there's no there there. It's no. really boring. And I they're, have nothing they're, they're to say. Also, about but it. I love when they're like, oh, Biden's soft on China. Like Biden's actually his rhetoric on China has been pretty harsh, honestly. Like it's not like we're gonna shut China down. Like it's actual policy on China, and it's not particularly soft policy. Yeah, and also they do say this one thing that I loved. They go, Biden's net worth did not grow at all in the 40 <laughs> years that he was in politics. Basically, therefore, he is corrupt. And I was like, wait, what? Like, that broke my neck. Like, with the whiplash I got from that statement. Well, wait, you're like, telling me once he became vice did. president, he made more money? What is this? Yeah, yeah he didn't benefit from him being in office? <laughs> what kind of man? Man is this? He must be up to something. Yeah. Yep. So we get the next title card, which is entitled "Obey Big Brother." This is the yeah the last section, and we're back in the loft or the torture chamber, whatever it is. Well, now first we're starting off with the religious conspiracy theories, uh, right? Yeah, so we you're get, right. Sorry, my bad, my bad, my bad. We get yes. Kelly Shacker, Shackelford, who is the president of Liberty Legal, aka First Liberty, and we get the bullshit bigot baker. Can, can I ask you, Kevin? Because this is the the pro religious freedom case, or pro religious mm-hmm. freedom section. What do you think they mean by religious freedom in this section? Just uh, the freedom for religious people to do everything they want and yeah. fuck everybody else. But specifically but Christians. Christians. Yeah, exactly. That's, yeah, that yeah, that, yeah. that was my reading of the situation. Not Ilhan Omar, no. of course. We know. No, yeah, she can't have any saying... sex or money. So Dinesh opens up this section, though, by saying the left wants to make you conformist. But then his shot, as he is saying this, is like these rows of identical pews. And I thought that <laughs> contrast was very funny. It was very good. And then it was he's very like, good. not like and church. Church is about He shows a couple of, of social media clips of, you know, police coming to break up church services who were violating coronavirus uh, policies. And them all saying, they're taking away our Jesus. Yeah, but some of it was like them shutting down businesses. And I was like, those are not even religious institutions. What are you talking about? <laughs> I know. But uh, the old, so he gives a little bit of that. We get the, the I think, pastor or president of Liberty Legal uh, talking about the, the bigot baker case, right? So do the bullshit comparison they always do of, well, would you make a black guy make a cake for a Klan rally? There's no fucking similarity. Go no, fuck yourselves. And then they get the Bladensburg Peace Cross case, which this is over here near D.C. where I am. Uh, and then they're just pretending it's the same as Arlington Cemetery and having crosses or Stars of David or whatever on soldiers' graves when there's no fucking similarity. Yeah, one is a giant cross. The other one is like, you know, the it reflects the faith of whatever soldier it was that died. Like you can like you can actually look up with the Department of Defense. Like they even have humanist emblems that you can get on your gravestone. Right. It's actually very cool thing that they do where they try to be as inclusive as possible. And then they're like, oh, but that's the same as like, that's what the left is going to target next. But, you know, this is why we need to hold on to the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court said that a giant cross on public land, (laughs) you know, does not violate separation of church and state. And the way like that this again, I keep calling him a pastor, but he's the head of like Liberty Legal, which I'm sure are the finest legal minds in this country. Um, One step above Larry Klayman. I'm surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised that Trump hasn't tapped them for his impeachment defense. To be honest, at this point. <laughs> even Trump. Will pe- well, that's how bad they are. But even Trump yeah. won't even call them. He's like, "Oh, that's going to go. That's going to go south real quick." Um, I'll get Rudy instead. That'll yeah, go better. Sid- <laughs> what's Sydney doing? Um, <laughs> but yeah, so they go into this whole. Um, yeah, he the way that he says separation of church and state too is like you can tell the mockery 
that he regards that term with. And I'm just like, oh, I thought y'all were like, you know, big fans of a constitution. But again, it's like they want, you know, fascist authoritarianism and a theocracy. And um, then we get to um, another grifter, which is fantastic. Which I have written in my notes in uh, 32 point font. Andy No is not a fucking journalist, you (laughs) fucking fuck fuckers. God fucking damn it. Yep. That's about the size of it. That's about we what I have as well. I've just written Andy, Andy no, no, but spelt just N-O. Yeah, and he claims he got a brain hemorrhage, and they show a picture of his injuries, which are literally just the cut under his eye. I have literally been punched in the face, and I had worse like injuries than from this man claiming he had a full brain hemorrhage. Right, and it's, like, it's the day, yeah. so this is, was a whole thing a while back when this happened, when Andy No got milkshakes thrown at him, he got punched by people, don't punch people, not a good thing to do, uh, I have to say that for legal reasons, mm. uh, <laughs> you shouldn't punch people, you really shouldn't punch people, uh, and, and he went to the hospital and claimed on social media he had a brain hemorrhage, he was then challenged to produce any sort of documentation whatsoever showing that he had gotten a brain hemorrhage, which he still has not fucking done. He did do a tweet though about dropping a coffee cup and thinking he was permanently, <laughs> permanently broken. <laughs> He is permanently broken for, for different reasons. Yeah. Andy No is a broken human being. Well, so, I mean, he what, is a what, shitty liar who edits tapes and lies yeah. about and everything he sees. And also deliberately antagonizes people and tries to get them to react so he can catch on film. Like that's Yes, that's, he is a fascist. Beautifully, since especially the storming of the Capitol, you know, that mm. the left are the violent ones who want to overthrow the government. And I was just sitting there cackling. Yeah. Yeah. And the only reason we get Andy No is, you know, this is the good journalism that Dinesh is trying to portray because he couldn't even get anybody from Breitbart or the Daily Caller. The best he could get was Andy fucking No. Yeah. And he explains, like, where did Antifa come from? And he said, well, Antifa started with the German communists you know fighting in the 30s and i was like who were they fighting andy and then he even tries to like couch it in oh well you know there's a lot of infighting between the socialists and the liberals and the communists at the time which you know whatever whatever but he kind of yada yadas through all that and again it's like and he says the com the this group was the basis of the brown shirts and i'm like no they were literally fighting fighting the brown shirts Yeah, I mean, his point is, and it's not necessarily wrong, but the the communists thought that everyone to the right of the Communist Party was fascist. Yes. And, like, the communists did think that, but they also deliberately were fighting specifically the fascists. Yes, and there was, there is something to be learned there with the fact that there was so much infighting between, you know, the socialists, the communists, and these, you know, uh, more centrist liberals to the point where they just kind of, like, you know, weren't effectively coalitioned to it. To, to stop fascism yeah yeah but like there is definitely less to be learned there but what andy's trying to do here is be like yep and out of those groups came the brown shirts yep no that's not it <laughs> well and the audio editing on all of these interviews that we've gotten in this entire movie the audio and video editing is really bad and really choppy so dinesh is hacking off people stopping talking hacking off when people are still probably in the middle of a sentence to fit the message that he wants to put out and doing it very bad, right? As someone who spends hours and hours and hours doing audio editing, I noticed every single bad cut that he did and thought about how I could do that cut so much better on my home laptop where I cut this show. Uh, But so I have to imagine 
that the whole reason Andy went into that brown shirts thing is because Dinesh has at least the consistency, right? He's been with this this string for a while now, that it wasn't really that the anti-fascists in Germany were fighting uh, communists, you know, they weren't fighting, uh, rather, the uh, the fascists. They were fighting other socialists, and that the, the fascists and the socialists, they were all really the same thing. It was just all infighting. Yeah. So I have to imagine that No went down a road that Dinesh didn't want, Dinesh corrected him and got him to say the right thing, and that's why we have all these choppy cuts in here. Probably. Yeah, it was very confusing, but yeah, the, the end that we get is like Antifa was the basis of the brown shirts, and it's Not like, that. all right, we got That's it. Dinesh's argument in his previous book, though, so yeah. yeah. All right, let's do so the 1984 end. Let's do it. I love it. We get back to the five minutes of bad or well they could afford to put on at the, the local uh, black box theater that they rented out for an afternoon. It's um, a lot of sexual tension. A lot. Oh yeah, and I mean you gotta you gotta admit that at least these actors they're putting their they're all actors. into it. Yeah, I yeah. wrote that the whole movie's budget must have gone on this scene because like these are real actors that they had to pay. <laughs> yes, they had to get craft services for this scene, so that's where the budget went. That explains the animation we've gotten throughout the rest of this movie. But you know, and like you you, you can over, overlook the fact that a George Orwell would have hated these hated little propagandists it. like Dinesh. Absolutely would have hated. Uh, and yeah, you know, it, it, democratic socialist, literally. Yes, if if not a proper socialist, like right. <laughs> but again, the message of this scene doesn't fit anything that's gone throughout the movie. No. Because Dinesh hasn't gone on any tangents about how they're trying to convince you that two plus two equals five, right? No, he it's all been about identity socialism and socialism is evil, but that's what they want. That's all the movie's been about. He did the conformism. So this whole the, two plus two equals five, five, how many fingers do you see thing, doesn't have anything to do with the movie. No, but that's just the only bit that he knows that people know, right? Like it's yeah, that that's what. Right. Also, can I just say I like I disliked the guy that they were torturing so much i was like bring out the rats like this is come on (laughs) yeah they didn't even go full rats that's what you when you do a 1984 you go with the rats yeah you You have to rats the the rats are unionized now (laughs) (laughs) the rats are socialists (laughs) they want higher pay they they gotta pay them sag rates now it's a yeah Also, they they did the electrocuting and then they they were like the two plus two equals five. And then they CGI'd an extra finger on the guy. And it was like, but then when the torturing stopped, they took it away. So like, it wasn't, (laughs) it wasn't like the guy like literally just didn't like completely missed its own point, which this whole movie did. Yep, yep. I think the the point was that electrical shock can damage the brain. Yeah. I think, I think maybe that's the, the inherent message that Dinesh is trying to get out. He had an accident in the past that he's just hinting at. And he wants people what, to know about. Is it Spy Kids where they're like, they do the like, how many fingers am I holding up? Yes, and it's, and yes, he like Spy and it, Kids. It was like that. Oh my God. <laughs> how did I forget Spy Kids? It was like that. <laughs> and then, yeah, he had the five fingers, but still had his thumb. Like they didn't just raise his thumb up. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I can't believe that your reference was to go to Spy Kids. Steve Buscemi's iconic roles, where yeah. he says, "God hides in heaven because he's afraid of what he created," and I'm like, "That is a Probably. dark line for a movie." <laughs> and let's be honest, Antonio Banderas is best acting. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm telling you, he's actually a really good actor. Like, let's yeah, let's just talk it. about this movie for the rest. <laughs> yeah, let's do Spy Kids now. Scrap the episode. <laughs> 
<laughs> the philosophy of Spy Kids. Uh, that's what I'm going to be on uh, Philosophers in Space talking about next. Uh, so we get back to Lincoln, back on the train. Yeah. Oh, and he's and this praying. Is the point. And I think he's praying to get out of this movie. Me too, yeah. This is, <laughs> yeah. The, fa- this is the most And this is the point bit. where I realized that it is the same Abraham Lincoln actor as the last movie. <laughs> So I have to imagine he's he's dying to get out of this contract at this point. Oh, but it has a and, terrifying message here. Yeah, this is the fashy bit. Okay, yeah. So they say, um, they bring up the executive order that Lincoln did. That's basically for every Union soldier that the Confederates execute, a Confederate soldier will be killed. So it ends with this message of Dinesh saying, basically, we have to act in the same way that the other side is acting. But... So that kind of, and it just kind of leaves that off. So if you're envisioning like the left is acting in the way that, you know, Dinesh would portray it or people like Andy know, or this, you know, parade of grifters, it makes everything that the right does in response to that justified, but also it's whatever they imagine the left to be doing. It's preemptive response. It's not even response. It's preemptive response. Yeah, exactly. And it's all in response to something that they have imagined in their own heads. So that whatever they act on based on this paranoia that they have is justified. Yeah. Whatever that might lead to and whatever that might be, including up to killing people. Yeah. The, yeah. The, like the closing... Storming a Capitol building exactly. or something like that. So just off the top of my head. <laughs> the closing <laughs> question of the film is basically, are you willing to die to fight socialism? Like that's, yep. that's essentially the thesis distilled. And, and it, they ask everyone who they've been talking to, basically. You know, not everybody, but a lot of the people. They go back to Andy No and Terrence Williams yeah, and ask them, right, would they be willing to die for no, the Constitution? No, well, they, they say, are you willing to, to, to fight to save America? And then, Which they mean capitalism. Yeah, yeah, but then Andy knows, like, it's not only worth fighting for, it's worth dying for. And that's the closing thing of the movie before we get into, like, a weird little pro-Trump bit at the end. Um, right. Is this the? Yeah. Is this I was like, how was it not over with Lincoln on the train? How was there more after yeah. that? Yeah, I forget. Oh, I, I, I was so mad at you at this point. I was like, it's over, it's <laughs> over. I'm about to. No, <laughs> they're like, but wait, there's more. But like in a terrifying and not fun Billy Mays way. Yeah, yeah. Right. And so then again, they go back into apologizing. Um, also, my note for the music here is Gondor is in danger, as sang by the USSR <laughs> choir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, very good. Uh, but he had a quote, Dinesh has a quote here that I thought might be the truest statement of the movie, where he said, quote, If Trump appears to be a mud wrestler, it's not because he created all the hate and division. They created him. Yes. Look what you made me do. Yeah. Well, but I think it's my belief about Trump is that he is a creation of right wing media over the last mm-hmm. 20, 30 years. Oh, right. Yes. The rise of Fox News and Breitbart and Drudge and Alex Jones and all of those things. They all distilled down into Donald Trump and they created him. All the hate and division that the right has been stoking, screaming that everyone to the left of Ronald Reagan is a socialist, has created Donald Trump. I think, honestly, Trump probably believes all that bullshit at this point in his life, right? Partly because his mind is addled, but partly because it's been repeated and repeated and repeated over and over again by the right wing until now. Him, my parents, plenty of conservatives that I know, actually believe that stuff yeah and this is what an abuser says you know but you made me like this mm-hmm. it's your you fault i'm like this. this and again and it reminds me of this thing that was going on in 2016 where 
you know, all these people that went to Charlottesville, they were saying, oh, well, the left turned me into a Nazi. And it's like, no, ma'am. No, ma'am. No. You were no. already a Nazi. It like, you know, and like I spent years being called a feminazi online, but that has not made me, you know, go and be like, well, you know what? I am going to be a a real Nazi. A real Nazi or a <laughs> I don't know, whatever version that these people have envisioned where I would be like, you know what? Kill all the men or whatever. Like I haven't done that. <laughs> but unironically. So, yeah, like unironically, yeah. So yeah, it, it does end with this very dark, it, it's a very dark and insidious message in here. Like, as ridiculous and scattershot as this movie is, like, the ending message is very troubling, to say the least. It's like, we can do whatever we want to do to fight leftism, yep. and also, look what you made us do. Yeah. And then, yep. Americana B-roll, horses, flags, Washington <laughs> Monument, fighter jets, NASA, Oculus, Tesla, America the Beautiful, Go! That's the end of the movie. Oh, that's but then it. there's Trump. Um, oh, I forgot about that. To, oh God, this is my favorite part of the whole movie. It was at the end. Um, it is as if it looked like a Saturday Night Live sketch. I was waiting for a punchline or, you know, like Larry David to pop up and, you know, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm music to start playing. Yeah. Um, Trump is in a limo with a bunch of skinny white women. He is never <laughs> featured in this movie without being in the presence of skinny white women. It is, yep. except for when he's in a business meeting. You know, we can't have women, no in, women in the boardroom. So Trump sees a mugging and Dinesh D'Souza is like, this really happened in 1991. <laughs> and so there's a guy being mugged and Trump's just like, hey, stop it. Leave that guy alone. And he kind of like, he doesn't fight the mugger though. Because I was thinking, you know, because, um, you know, there was a stunt coordinator evidently as we mentioned yeah. before and yeah. i was thinking maybe this is where it came into but now that i think about it i don't think he punches the guy no. or really fights him he just kind of like shoves just... him away and he yells which this made me laugh out loud he goes <laughs> marla call the police which is a reference to marla maples his second yeah. wife tiffany trump's mom and i wanted so badly the line to be marla you're my least favorite wife call the police <laughs> That would be the best line they could have possibly put into his mouth. Yeah. This story, by the way, I did a little bit of digging on this story. This comes from like a tabloid article that was written about Trump in 91. Oh, when presumably he claimed that this quoting, had quoting Trump pretending to be someone right. else. Yeah. yeah the only identify. So the, the, the claim is that Trump, the guy was beating, the, the mugger was beating the guy with a baseball bat and Trump stopped him. And like the claim was that Trump had like physically had an altercation with the guy with the baseball bat. The only possible uh, identifiable witness to the story who anyone's found said that by the time Trump got out of his limo, the mugger was already leaving. Yeah. And Trump had just they stopped. They kind of implied that in the animation too, or whatever it was. But then also, the guy, the mugger, when the when Trump got out, the thing was like, I didn't do anything, Mr. Trump, as if like <laughs> <laughs> when he recognized him. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. But yeah, now that I remember, yeah. Because <laughs> there was so much comedy happening. And again, like yeah. I think that this um this guy, this Trump impersonator who was doing the voiceover, I think they have another actor who they was They do, yeah. It out. was they very clearly said it was only the voice that that guy did. It wasn't the actual <laughs> Yeah, because person. it is because they never show again, his face. Like, like Trump's yeah. being made fun of, like the whole Marla called the police. Like the fact that there was even a reference to Marla instead of just <laughs> just saying call the police. Like a or to, to whatever woman, but I guess they had to be like, he was with his wife. And I'm like, but who are the other women in the limo? Like, because they were just like implying oh. that they were like, 
having a good party time in the limo or whatever. And Trump got out of a limo to fight off a mugger, which I thought was a hilarious concept, which I thought get, gives um, quite the opportunity for some sketch comedy and some good physical comedy there. Yeah. But um, right, no, right. Was, it would be wonderful. But and then we end. The, there's just two little things left to end the movie. One is a voiceover of Trump, actual Trump, not the impersonator speaking, reading one of his speeches, and it's one of the really the ones where he sounds depressed and sad. And for yeah, a moment, when he's tranked up, yeah, right. For a moment, I thought it was the speech he gave for his little going away thing, where he was all obviously sad and and couldn't put any energy into it. And then I realized this movie came out before that. So yeah. it was just another time when Trump just sounds terrible. They couldn't find a clip they could use that was long enough where he actually sound energized and excited. And they had to go with him just sounding blasé I mean, and there bored. Are a lot of those. So I just, I don't know why they would do that. Um, all right. We'll I don't know thing. either. And then we get that list of, like Benedict mentioned, a bunch of absolute cowards <laughs> who have never had to actually fight for anything saying that they'll fight for America. <laughs> Yeah. And that's it. And then that's the the yeah, we I do just get have... a Trump rally and like there's a yeah. truck with a Trump flag and there's just like shots of just like the bleakest parts of America, yeah. truly. <laughs> it's just, and then it ends with like the best is yet to come. And I'm like, oh yeah. man, this they bad They should have got Kimberly Guilfoyle to do that. I'm sorry. Like that, that, it just yeah. came out, uh, they could have redubbed her doing the best is yet to come. That would have been great. <laughs> but I, I do have a music note for that, uh, that final closing, uh, which is uh, opening today's national anthem at the Tampa Bay Rays versus the Chicago Cubs is local Green Day tribute band Dookie Shoes. Uh, was what it sounded like to me. Yeah. And then we had over the credits, I have another music note, which was God Bless America performed by the Creed Lifehouse crossover band Rage in Favor of the Machine. <laughs> I mean, the accuracy of that music note, too. But also the credits, <laughs> some of my favorites were, obviously, we saw this, you know, we discussed a stunt man, but also there was just somebody being labeled as helpful man. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw that. I think it was one of the actors in one of the scenes. It was just helpful. I think helpful. it may have been because... I think it may have been from the last one because there's yeah. also just female in limo. But um, I think it was because <laughs> it was around that section. I think it was just because when Trump gets out of a limo to go um, help, I almost said help the mugger, <laughs> <laughs> to help the man being mugged. Um, it, um, there was a, another dude that was over there, but he wasn't doing anything particularly helpful or nefarious. <laughs> he was just kind of like, I'm standing bad. around, shuffling my feet. And Well, to so, be fair, there's no way to check for sure because nobody has bothered to completely fill out the IMDb page for this movie. Oh. So there's no way to even find the full cast of the film on there. I, Most or, of the people who were interviewed aren't even listed. Yep. Or find who Helpful Man really is. Yeah. Yeah, yes. No, I need I to know who Helpful Man is. And yeah, yep. the two people make makeup. The Helpful Absolutely. Man was the journey we took along the way. Yeah. Yes. Well, that is it. We made it all the way through. We watched this entire load of garbage, and I can't distill any concrete message from this movie. Oh, it's it's <laughs> conservative still, Mad Libs is what it is. Like it's socialism, it anti-socialism, mad, mad Libs. But I still need to know how both of you feel after this movie. So I'll ask you both: How many fingers would you rather see than watch this movie again? Ooh, it directly in my eyes, seven. <laughs> I would take a Doctor Strange finger situation where he's just <laughs> multiplying himself over and over and also multiplying his hands 
with those fingers and then being asked um, how many fingers he's holding up. Yeah, the guy being tortured definitely had a better time than I did. <laughs> oh, so at yes. least his torture was in short bursts and there was some fun <laughs> sexual tension between him and Lifetime Bob Mueller. Um, because I remember when the, this is how starred for attention I am because of the COVID outbreak when he was like, I will make you perfect. I was like, please do. But if your local theater production needs a Winston Smith, I have a guy for you. Yeah. Just like, yeah, I would take definitely though a Dr. Strange situation to tell you how distressing this movie was for me. I immediately, first thing I did was I got up and made myself a dirty martini (laughs) as the credits were rolling. You deserved it. You deserved it. Thank you, Morgan. (laughs) Morgan, thank you so much for sitting through this and doing this show with us. Uh, If anybody wants to find more of you, where can they find you? All right. Well, easiest way is to find me on my Twitter. That's at Mostring. I will spell it because of my thick accent. M-O-S-T-R-I-N-G. Again, that's M-O-S-T-R-I-N-G on Twitter. And you can also check out um, the Opening Arguments podcast. I'm on there occasionally. And also, it is the podcast produced by the Law Offices of P. Andrew Torres, which I do um, most of my work for. So, um yeah, go check that out. We talk uh, legal topics. Been doing less um, can Trump do this topics lately, so that's that's been <laughs> it's fun. It's delightful. It's definitely more fun lately. <laughs> yeah, it's less depressing. It's more. It's less like, I don't know, Morgan, maybe Don Jr. will get a ruling of the Supreme Court that says you can't run that fast when he hunts you for sport. <laughs> so, yeah, it's been a lot more lighthearted, a lot, a lot more fun. We can actually get back to uh, normal legal topics because uh, Trump kind of would erase the whiteboard we had every every episode so yeah go check that out go uh check me out on twitter and that's how you find me and thank you so much for having me as torturous as this movie was it, it was a uh it was a good time unpacking all of that <laughs> well thanks for doing it with us we always enjoy having you on you're one of our favorite guests on the show yep. hopefully we can make you suffer through more in the future oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the more <laughs> suffering because i'm truly deranged <laughs> Well, thank everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, if you can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $2 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, drawings to win our copies of the books we read, and more. As always, we have to give a shout-out to our wonderful and amazing super patrons, Megan Ruth, Savi Aquino, Glaurung the Deceiver, Danielle, Big Easy Blasphemy, Becky Scott Fairley, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, AJ Brantley, Taru Takanen, Skeptical Seventh, and Andrew Jenko. Thank you all, as always, for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next time, that is the question. Goodbye. Bye. podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.